How's your how's your wasp there, buddy? Huh? Um, testy, testy. I couldn't testy, find testy, it. Testy, cool. Ew. So, that's what I'm saying. So, is that, so you're testy. drinking your beer so that it doesn't fly yeah, into the testy, beer. Testy, Wait, is this part for the podcast? Because I had a better way of of putting it in. What's for the podcast? Just be be your natural self. In other no, words, no. But I had when you introduced me in the podcast, I had a way of telling the story. Oh, I see. Okay, then I'll wait. Look at you. Ooh, all fancy. It's all in my head. <laughs> One day, ten years ago. Hello and welcome. Diary. What? Who's that? Who's that? Diarrhea doesn't sink. Diarrhea doesn't... Okay. Ignoring Stunner, that, sorry. this is the Dragon's Edit <laughs> Podcast, episode 130, where we talk about sinking diarrhea, apparently, um, ex- instead of video games. I don't know why. Uh, I'm your host, Austin, slash Mr. Chupon, as is known on the interwebs. It is Saturday, April 25th, 12.28 p.m., and this will probably go up on Friday, like, the day before next week, which is May. It's a May the 2nd already. Wow. That's it. Already made. You know, already normally made. in years past, E3 would be going on in about two weeks, but uh, nope. It's going on no when idea. this year? June? That thing still exists. Somewhere. I no one cares about E3 anymore. May. Uh, anyway, I'm here with two ladies, and one of them is not Al because he's drunk at a wedding. Uh, we have Pete. Hey, so I have a story for everybody. There was a wasp in my, <laughs> er, in my window and it was going to get in my apartment, and... I went to tell Austin that there was a wasp and I had to go take care of it. Then I went back and it was gone. So there's a good chance that it's in my apartment. It either got in or got out. But on the plus side, you have this noise you're about to hear. Ah, yes. Is me opening a can of beer. So if I get stuck, which is the wasp so attractor as the number one wasp attraction for wasps. Hops, triple, it triple brood fucking hops. beer cans. Well, if you hear me scream That's like a little bitch and then stop talking, it means that the wasp came and I ran away. So there are wasps every episode then. Oh, and we have slunks. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Al, where'd you go? I don't know. I'm drunk at a wedding. I was at a wedding, guys. Yo, hey. Dude, you're gonna make me spit out my beer. (laughs) (laughs) So, I have a story. You could spot me. There was not a wasp outside my window. I did not tell a wasp. What? Story, slunks. What? There was not a wasp outside my story. Yep. This is the most fucked up intro ever. (laughs) Talking about diarrhea sinking, wasps, beer cans. Impressioning out. Now there's a baby screaming in the background. That's his nephew. Everybody say hello to Slunk's junior nephew. Yep. His name is Slunk's Tell junior. that kid to <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> what are you? I'm sorry. The what alcohol is getting to me. <laughs> shut the fuck up, bitch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, everybody wants to know about Tony. Wish him well on his computer quest because apparently it has, like, syphilis. So, um... Oh, no. Oh, no. So, but you can't hear this because you don't have a computer. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, until his computer is de-syphilized, uh, yeah, that, that's where he's been for the past couple of months. Um, yeah. And working, of course. But, um, yes, we... Tony, I wish you well in these troubling times. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Slunks had this presentation for his class. Anybody of you who listen who are Giant Bomb members and have been writing on Slunks' blog know about this. But um, he delivered a presentation, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but video game industry and, and the specifically the critics' end of it, yep. and kind of the the task at hand and, and the difficulties and the intricacies surrounding um, game critics and game writing and game journalism 
as it were. Uh, and we wanted to talk about that, but we kept on skipping it, and then we forgot about it, and then Slunks wasn't on last week. So now, Slunks presentation. What was it all <laughs> That's about? That's the only time I have to do this. <laughs> um, pretty much, um, I had, as you said on my blog, I read all about it. Um, I had about a shared 50-minute classroom uh, filled with probably about 20, 20 people. Um, to do a presentation for, um, and it wasn't like everybody was doing presentations that week or something. It was actually that my teacher knocked off the magazine section of our mass media cl- mass media class and inserted my video games <laughs> part. So that's pretty freaking cool. Um, but yeah, the the first guy who pretty much how it went down was uh, he was gonna have twenty five minutes. I was gonna have twenty five minutes. Um, Turned out that he took about 30, and oh. by the time I got up there, um, it was a little too late. Um, but I got started anyway. Um, I kind of started out by talking um, about what exactly a video game is, and um, pretty much the guy before me, uh, Sean, was talking about uh, how video games are are a part of the media now and comparing it to other parts of the media, so I kind of use that as a segue to talk about how a video game is kind of the summarization, like the summary of all other medias. It's kind of everything combined. Um, you know, for writing, you have a story in a video game. For for music, uh, you have music in a video game, etc. For, you know, graphics, you have the cinema part of it. Um, so, that was pretty cool. Um, started up with that. Um... And then hit the stupid questions that dragged everything to hell, such as, what's your favorite video game of all time? And other things, this is exaggeration, but like, what's the highest score you got on a video game? (laughs) And others. Do you live in, like, Redneck Town? (laughs) Because the way you're talking. Uh, No, I I live in I live in Wigga Town, so. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Yo, man, you play that Madden? Man, that what? shit is exactly. so crispy. You exactly. talking about the Pringles with the frosty spoons, son? <laughs> what? I don't. I just made that up. Sure, frosty spoons, diarrhea. I don't know. Yo, that Soul Calibur has some hot bitches. <laughs> but no, I started talking, hot, and hot, hot. um. <laughs> from there, I went to. It's it's kind of hard to remember, and I also kind of hate in a way, talking about it like this, because it comes off, like, with such a different vibe. So kind of imagine me just in front of people speaking. You're lecturing. Um, yes. Offering your wisdom. Lecturing. Keynoting. Keynoting. Something like that. My name is Iwata. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so from there, I went into... Trying to remember. It was about how those... Uh, how all forms of entertainment in a video game influences game criticism and how we kind of have to judge a lot more Mm. than other mediums do. Um, For instance, you know, we have to... I mean, it's kind of obvious, but, you know, we have to... Music and graphics and story and is the gameplay good and et cetera, et cetera. Um, And also how that... Not everybody's a game critic because not everybody can play games 
like they need to. Like, you need to be able to play games and in a matter that represents all other people. I think Adam Sessler kind of touched on this a bit, um, on how, yeah, are you, are you playing a game good enough to represent an entire audience? And, like, are, are you too good at games to do that? Like, it's, it's kind of an awkward thing, um to kind of express it's it's not like somebody i know a couple friends who've been playing video games forever but they shouldn't be reviewing games because they typically knock it for being hard when they it's actually they just kind of suck um (laughs) like yeah something like that either that or or like you have to kind of um you have to kind of at least approach it from that mindset right i guess yeah um from there i went on to it was a good segue, actually, um, into a video I had them watch uh, on a projector. Was it porn? Yes, it was uh, Adam Sessler porn. The best kind. Ew. Ew. I'm yeah. not drunk enough for that yet. <laughs> uh, I don't think you'll ever be drunk enough for that, and I think Adam Sessler would agree. Um, <laughs> but I, I booted up a video um, on his soapbox that I'm sure people are probably familiar with. Um, he makes he pretty much just sits down in front of a camera and rants about something, and he's always very very good at doing so. Um, but he was talking about pretty much Metacritic and um, how that's kind of making the review review side of the business way more serious than how it should be. Um, how developers are trying to c- control review scores and that kind of use. Kane and Lynch. Um, you guys remember? The whole Tomb Raider Underworld thing. Yes. Uh, where they were uh, sending out review copies and saying, well, unless you give the score above an 8, or an 8 or above, uh, we're not going to allow you to post a review, and if you do, we'll probably not work with you anymore. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. That, um, and that and all the whole, the whole exclusive reviews bullshit that, you know, that's pretty common. Right. So, it was kind of uh, fun trying to make them understand um, that Metacritic kind of is there for the reader and the consumer, but on the writing side of it and on the uh, business side of it, it's it's kind of a mess and that there should be no business side. And, oh my fucking God, phone! Right. <laughs> Two times. Dude, yeah. there's a little kid there and you're swearing. That's not my fault. Anyway, uh... <laughs> So, uh, pretty much actually about when I hit the Adam Sessler video, um, towards the end of it, uh, everybody started packing up because I looked at the clock and my time was up. And I went, no, I didn't even get to talk about anything really. No. And then, so I went over to my teacher and actually, uh, let me back up a second. (laughs) Actually, uh, apparently I did talk about stuff so well because people walked up to me and was like, Great presentation, yo, and uh, even two people randomly shook my hand. Yo, that shit was banging, son. So, yeah. Uh, Don't say that in front of the kid. I, yeah, I guess that earmuffs, was... Earmuffs, earmuffs. I, I guess the first half was, was alright. <laughs> I guess the first half was alright. Um, I went over to my teacher and I was like, Hey, any chance I can get like ten more minutes or something on Monday? Hey. Wait, you did it like Fonzie? Yeah, I was like, hey! hey. And I, I popped my <laughs> collar and then I just punched her right in the gut. Because we all know Fonzie is a, 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 a Mr. Winkler. E. Hey. Hey. Um. 
No, so I, a teacher allowed me to pretty much take the first 15 minutes on Monday morning, um, in which I talked about, we kind of rewatched the last half of uh, the Adam Sessler video, and talked about how, um, talked about review scores in particular. I also used um, a 1996 review of Command & Conquer on GameSpot, which was a whole two paragraphs long. And the first open, like the opening line, was terrible. Who reviewed it? Uh, uh, some no-name guy that I have no idea who he was. Nobody. Yeah, this this was back in its infancy. Yeah, nobody recognizable. But uh, I compared that to their 2008 review of Braid, and uh, my 2008 review of Lost Odyssey, and like they're pretty surprised by the difference. Uh, hence, you know, 1996. It was two paragraphs long. It was terribly written. And uh, pretty much the review didn't even really tell you about the game too much. And then comparing it to, like, uh, my review Dude, or somebody else's how, review. How could you? how could you sleep on Chris Hudak? Yeah. <laughs> That's his name. Yeah, and, and somebody actually told me uh, <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't be reviewing games if I didn't get paid. That's so hard. So wow. apparently yeah. I kind of got to him. Uh, in a way, because I did tell him about how, when I got Lost Odyssey, um, how I would have the review up, you know, four days later on a 50-hour RPG, and how I would wake up at 3 a.m. to catch the arcade games coming out so I could have the first review up and stuff. I pretty much made them realize how rough the competition is. It's Yeah, it's not just playing games and then, yeah. oh, it's fun, I got Here's paid for what it. I think. Right. I mean, money. it's still a lot of fun because you're doing what you like. Exactly. But, but there's a little more behind that. And then yeah. I pretty much ended up with, because I was, I was running out of time and I didn't get a chance to really express how I felt too much. Uh, it was kind of like the, the class was, there was a lot of class discussion. Um, it was kind of just me filling in, in between. Um, but I ended about, like I said, the review scores and how that... Uh, putting a score in a review is is really a a mixed mixed bag of of feelings. It's it's like we want we kind of want that representation, but we don't want the reader to just look at that number and then walk away. Yeah, because we yeah. work hard on the review, and and I think I think it's something that's so stupid. And I I I hate to echo Adam Susser's words here, but it's it's like. Review scores are such a big deal because people in in today's society is they're they're really just like things can only be the best or the or worst. else they suck. And we interrupt this podcast with a breaking news bulletin. Our sound files are foobar. That's a scientific acronym used in many circles, including Nobel Peace Prize winners. That means fucked up beyond repair. We will now be switching over to our low-quality sound file because technology is shady and we are incompetent. Goodbye. Yeah, apparently, you know, I mean, looking back at the whole 8.8 on, you know, uh, Twilight Princess that Jeff Gersman gave, and everybody flipped out. Despite he said, that was a great game. Yeah. It was really good. And apparently that wasn't good enough. So, I mean, it's crazy, and... and Ah, review scores, and I, I, I wish in a way that we could take them away. Oh, I don't know if you remember, like we, we just got rid of them for a while, and then people were like, oh, you know, I, I think I'd like to see a score or something. I like, so I was like, fine. So I put back five point scores, but 
right. used to have the stupid game informer system of point point two five increments, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Forget it. Um, I got a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think with the way? Because I mean, most I think I think most people don't actually bother. Like you know, the enthusiast press is obviously writing for enthusiasts, and the core of enthusiasts now like are the type of people that do just look at review scores and don't really want to read reviews. Um, I mean, I personally like still read reviews and stuff, but uh, do you think that we're going to, like in the way that print media died, do you think eventually we're going to see the death of just reviews in general and it's just going to be things like, because it seems like now most people get their stuff from either sco- just straight up scores, uh, podcasts, or video reviews. So do you think we're going to see the death of like written reviews in general? This is a this is a question that was kind of out there about two years ago, back when GameSpot was really about video reviews, and really nobody read anything. And there are points uh, in time I, I joked around with my friends about how um, how when I when I was writing a review, I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. This is just going to die soon anyway. But I jokingly said that, and I, I it's because I really believe that it won't. Um, right. Expressing your opinion via words will probably never die. Um, but I don't know. Uh, something I nailed in the presentation was uh, the whole subjectivity versus uh, objectivity thing. Right. And I'm, I, I'm not sure if the objectiveness, uh, like towards your question, I don't know if that will, well, I don't know. That's a hard question. <laughs> it's like, is, what's the meaning of life? Yeah, see, personally, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, you know, working on a personal, like, starting up a personal website and stuff, and I've been toying with what I want to do with it, and I kind of had finally come to a conclusion, but I, for a while I was thinking that I would like to go back to writing reviews and stuff, but I just know that when I was doing it before, it's like you put a lot of work into something that pretty much nobody reads, right. especially when you're, like, small and independent and nobody knows you. Like, I mean, at least for sites like GameSpot and 1UP and stuff, they at least are going to have... Uh, even if even if a small percentage of the readership actually reads the reviews, it's still quite a number. Whereas like for like like Austin with Try Games, like you know he people will write reviews for the site, and like if like two people read it, is it really worth the effort of writing it? Is kind of my question. So that's like, I mean personally, I'm gonna just get away from writing reviews. I'm gonna do something completely different. Um, right. But that's like my worry is that you know eventually most media sites are going to think, you know, well, why are we bothering to write these reviews if nobody's going to read them? That's, I mean, I think everybody, uh, every writer feels that. Um, is my message getting out there? Are people reading this? Are enough people reading it? What, what is enough? Um, I remember when I first started out, and I really wanted people to kind of critique my reviews so I, I knew how to write better. Um, towards my audience, um, and sometimes I just didn't get that um, after, you know, spending loads of hours playing the game and then uh, a couple hours writing a review. Um, heck, I actually remember, I, I think it's just that when you're, when you're freelancing or just writing for yourself, you have to make sure you do all you can to get your review out there. I remember, I, for fun, I worked on my Dead Rising review for about a month. And I would print it out, and uh, that was a long time ago. It was back when I was doing driver school. God, that was a while ago. Um, how I would just take that, and the little time I had in between class and before class, I would just 
uh, revised my review to hell and back. And I submitted it to a uh, little thing awesome uh, read for a little bit called the CCU um, Community Contributions Union on GameSpot, which uh, hosted was the freaking... Oh, it was a review spotting. Yeah. Um, which pretty much took a bunch of reviews and uh, critiqued them, and there was a judge, and um, that review of Dead Rising actually wound up winning that that episode, or I guess you could call it an episode, that uh, installment, yeah, that issue of review spotting. And um, guess what? It ended up somewhere familiar. Huh. I think I've done that. Tracking.net, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it got out there, and a bunch of people read it, and I, I felt glad about that, and, you know, people uh, really appreciated it. But it's just, at the same time, like, where I'm at right now, I don't know, it's hard. When I worked for Talk Xbox, I kind of felt the same way. There was, like, a, reader, a little reader ticker at the bottom. Hey, you have this many re- uh, readers. But I knew that was a lie because of just, Bots going to the website and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, but and you know, there's the comment fields was uh, the comment fields on that website were always rather empty. So yeah, it kind of felt like nobody was reading, even though I kind of knew that people probably were. And if they were, how much were they reading? I don't know. It's kind of a messy situation, and yeah, it sucks. But I think that reviewers need to change up their style a little bit. Um, I kind of started falling into this whole five paragraph. Um, review style rather than a whole, like, 8 to 12 review style. I think Greg Kasabin's review of Halo 2? Halo something. Halo 2. Halo 2. He did review Halo, Halo 2. 2. Yeah. Yep. It was about four pages long. And no review should be that long. It, it's completely unnecessary. You have four, if not five, things to cover, which shouldn't take more than a paragraph. And if, I, you're, I, if it I, does, I, then you need to condense your writing. The funny thing, I think, I, I think he recognized that. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, because like, when, like, I think near the tail end of his, his run at GameSpot, like, by the time he left, I, you started seeing maximum two pages. Maximum, right. like, maximum. Yeah. yeah there's a two whole, pages back then was good, so. There's a whole bunch, though, that I've seen on other places that I won't name that, like, they still go to four or five pages. And it's just, right. like, really? It's, nobody's going to read that. And I, I'm, I hate... Um, well, I think one of my worst fears that I have about writing is I'm going to get hired, uh, if I do, uh, by somebody I don't want to write for, um, namely a magazine. I'm not really a big fan of reviews in magazines because they limit your space so much. Um, and particularly, like, uh, also just a game informer in the chat room, and I'm going to use that as an example, uh, they have, like, quick mini-reviews. Um, and I don't understand how you can play a game for 20 hours or however long the game is, even 10 or even 5, and get little mini-reviews that are no longer than five sentences. Like, that's that's embarrassing, and that really, oh. really sucks. And I'm sure that that person is doing something else uh, for the magazine, but, man, it stinks when you spend so much time, and all you can write is a lousy five sentences, which... You probably could write those sentences by not even playing the game. So right. you can't really express yourself. That's where the skepticism comes in, I think. But I mean, I, I do think that um, there's... Now, the mini-review thing, I, I feel like, um, and quite a few magazines do this, I guess, uh, 
that's a little bit that's a little bit odd because you never feel the sense that they actually played the whole game. Right. But at the same time, it's it's kind of catering to this blogosphere where everything is new for a day and then the next day it's gone. No one cares about it. It's forgotten because there's always a new thing. So like right. that kind of bite sized review, um, kind of and I guess maybe it's a concession, which is a little sad, uh, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong or whatever, but I, I'm, I'm trying to understand. I, I'm thinking that that's what the reason is, is that it's like, we're doing this for today's market, and, and there is something to be said for, you know, I, yeah, it's sad to play a game for two hours and then write, like, uh, a, a haiku about it. But, yeah. <laughs> but there's also something to be said for the ability to be able to capture everything about what you played, the most important stuff about what you played, in a paragraph. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I would ever like to be reduced to that, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm just trying to say that there's, there's maybe some reason for why they're doing it that way. But I agree with you. That, that, that just kind of feels so res- neutered. And, Restricted. You know, yeah, yeah. neuter is probably a good word. But uh, I want to move on soon because I don't want to talk about this forever. But um, I think that most game reviews can average the same length because they all contain the same things. It's always going to be your graphics, music, sound, uh, sound effects, um, uh, storyline, gameplay kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and every game has this. That's the thing. So why can't everybody just not be four pages long and not be, you know, six sentences long? It's got to, I think it's, there's always this, this stretch that's perfect, which is probably about, uh, I want to say, about five to eight paragraphs. Right. Um, and I, I think that in this day and age that we need to shorten our reviews to about five paragraphs because that's just where our readers are at. If they even do read your review, um, I think five paragraphs is always, it just feels right. It's like no more than five to ten minutes to read. You get a really good impression from it. The score's there as well to back it up. Um, the details are there to back of the score. And just to once again echo Adam Susser's words, I hate, hate using scores to represent everything I'm trying to say in a review. Yeah. Uh, so, ah. yeah, um, that's, this is everything that I kind of mentioned in the presentation. Um, things like this were talked about. I can't really replica- replicate it word for word. Sure. Um, I did end it on that random-ass quote that I randomly said, because um, towards the end I, got talk- uh, I started talking about objectivity versus subjectivity in game reviewing and how the game industry is, is kind of the first um, to really utilize objectivism in game uh, in reviewing in general, uh, mainly yeah. because yeah, uh, mainly because my teacher uh, happened to be a food critic back in the day, and I, I used her for an example, and I, I kind of looked at her and said sorry when I said it, but uh, I said you can never really eat a nice meal and go, what does this do for the industry? <laughs> Right. So, you know, what does this do for food in general? And I'm sure you can do that maybe for like the best meals in the world. But I mean, not every, there's you can't really find that everywhere. Right. Um, yeah. The the final quote that I ended on was um, that random ass thing that I said at the end of a Resident Evil Five um, uh, video. I pretty much. Oh yeah, about. that's right. Yeah, you you read that. Uh, um, I think on the episode before you talked about the presentation. I think right. Maybe I did. I'm not sure. Should I read it again? Pretty sure you did. Read it again to refresh yeah. memories. Memories. Game reviewing is essential to the realization of how game design is growing. Yep. Maybe if we looked at things a little more objectively and out of subjectively, 
it would help that realization grow. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, be- before we move off this, I want to I want to address two things. Um, mm-hmm. When you were talking about like uh, the reviews always having graphics and sound and all that stuff, and and that's something that's really important. Um, <clears throat> like a, a lot of sites, um, and you know, GameSpot is 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 kind of this way. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily a bad thing. It's always up to the writer to kind of put his own stamp on it, but you start to feel that it, it says, all right, here's the graphics, here's the sound paragraph, here's the whatever, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. increasingly it's been like, all right, well, you know what, we have to talk about the graphics, but I'm going to do it in this way. Sure. We have to talk about something, but I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to sit there and label the paragraphs, as some places still do. Yeah, no, I hate that. I hate that. Name yeah. name. As far as the graphics go, yeah. <laughs> as far yeah, as the sound that. is, yeah. the gameplay is... But what like, I did in school today is, <laughs> <laughs> but the, like I mean, for some of the reviews that I that I do, like I, it, you have to reflect it as as your experience in the game. So if the game was completely like uh, like routine and just kind of that's how you that's how you like experience the game, like it's so compartmentalized that that it, it's so plain, it ends up co- like when you write about it, it ends up coming out like that. Yeah. And then with, with like Lux Pain, which I reviewed, like the biggest thing was the localization. Oh, I could go and I could say, okay, so here are the graphics, they were decent. Here is the voice acting, that was decent. Here's the, the game design that was all over the place. Here's the localization, it was bad. But like I start off saying, like, look, the localization is the real main culprit here. Like you've yeah. got the story, and I talked about the story. I actually and, read the review. Yeah. Oh, you actually read it? Yes, I get a reader. So you, you, get the, <laughs> you have the story, okay, and this is what it is, and it seems kind of interesting. But then, like, you can't do anything with it because of this. And then furthermore, this is... So I spend, like, two paragraphs on, on how the localization ruins the game instead of just, like, the whole one, 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 one. And when you get down to the point, you have to understand, like, you talk about what's important. Like, mm-hmm. and to me, that was really important. It, that's what really ruined the experience, you know? It's like, if someone were to um, talk about uh, I'm I'm trying to think. Uh, if someone were to talk about a uh, uh, Final Fantasy, whatever, okay, and they had like a slightly revamped, I love that game. Yeah, if they had a slightly slightly revamped menu system for the item screen, all right, nothing huge, mm-hmm. just just a key improvement. But someone went off for like about four or five sentences just on how awesome the new item menu was. No, no, yeah. you mention it real quick and you move on. Uh, there's, a whereas, of, there's a sense of like how a game. Uh, yeah, there's a quality that a game might show in, like, new features, like you said, and then in that quality you have to realize you only have... I mean, that's a tricky thing about reviewing on the Internet is because you have unlimited space, but in a way you, you have completely the opposite because no matter what, you still have a reader, and a reader is not going to listen to you run on about, oh, you have more health bars in this game and it's redefined for uh, 20 paragraphs. So. You know what's good about that, though, is that as far as for the writer, it's a good exercise in self-restraint, whereas if an editor says, you have 1,000 words, that's it. You're sitting there word counting. But when you're, when you're given the whole space of the Internet, it's completely up to you to learn how to do that. And so like that, there's a silver lining in that. Um, but the second thing I want to address is Pete's question about is it worth it. Uh, yeah, it really, in my opinion, it really depends on what you're trying to do with it. Like for, for you, uh, if you're trying to start up a site, um, I don't know, like, the reason why, I, and I haven't posted a review in how long I try games, I feel so bad, but I just finished Kirby's Canvas Curse, so I'm going to do that. Um, but, 
like is it worth it from a from like a uh, like a logistical perspective? I'm gonna say no because I don't think we have very many readers. But the thing is that I just love writing, and right, so exactly. there's yeah. a self fulfillment in that. But it, like I said, it depends on what you're going for. So like Pete, like if you wanted to work for One Upper Gamespot or or some other site, right? Um, it's worth it to build up your your body of work at the very least, mm-hmm. so that people have that. To, to, so it's like you know. I'm Pete Bellucci, two L's, two C's, and I can write. Can you? <laughs> I will yes. fuck you in the ass with my wordage. <laughs> <laughs> can I see something? Yes, you can, and here's the wasp that landed on my paper. But it's, it's, here it is, you know, versus, versus you know, just kind of saying I'm not going to write. I'm just gonna. So I, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. So, and, and, and I guess for, like, small fries who don't have any intention of, of, of working for someone who could catapult them into that position of associate editor – Probably not if they're just looking to write and be renowned, but not, but not do it for real. Maybe not, but it's still for me personally. It's still fun, you know. Like yep. the only reason, and, and I'll be honest, the reason why I haven't been writing for Try Games is because, like, all of my writing energy has been like dragged into the GameSpot freelancing thing. Yeah. Right. Because it, it takes a lot of energy out of you and like mental energy. Not yeah. To be honest, that's why I'm not reviewing during school because I right. would just kill myself. So I, my reviews would be terrible. Right. So, but but yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I mean, I wasn't talking about it in terms of like in terms of like, personal. Uh, yeah, personal like job seeking fulfillment type thing. I mean, although that is a good point, I just I mean, on a personal level, I was more of talking about just the fact that it's when I did write, it bothered it. it, it I, as someone who's a creative type, I want my work to be seen right. and to know that I spent a great deal of time on something, and then to not like to feel like it's not being like seen or read or whatever like that just like it, it sounds cheesy but it like kind of breaks my heart um like a good example would be uh this is like kind of not exactly what we're talking about but sort of um when i went i i always feel like i bring this up a lot and i feel retarded for doing it but when i went to e3 uh in 2005 i wrote uh after i came back i spent like two three weeks writing a like huge story about my experience going to E3 and at the time I was working for this guy for his site and I submitted my story to him and it never got posted. Uh, like, uh, so like that kind of like jaded me right there. Um, he never even explained to me why it didn't get posted. I mean, he had posted reviews I'd written before and everything and like, I never had a problem with any of my writing. So like, like right then I was like, well, maybe he just felt that it wasn't worth this like the time to put it up or edit it or whatever because maybe he felt that it wouldn't get readers because he was struggling with the site himself. He wasn't getting readership and stuff. Um, people would come and check out scores but nobody was really reading anything. And so I think that's why his site kind of died. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to make I, a point. I am sorry. <laughs> I, I, know, I have nothing to do with that, but I feel so sorry about that. Oh, my it's, God. It's okay. I mean, we need to post it. That's a hug. I mean, it was like uh, even in that situation, the silver lining was that I got to go to E3, which I was like, that was my dream since childhood, and getting to go to that was awesome. So the fact that my story didn't get posted while it hurt, I was like, well, at least I got to go, and I have this story written for myself as a memory. Um, but yeah, like that was just an example. But I was gonna say, uh, in so much as you said, like Adam Sessler like said that he hates putting, having to put a score on something, like having to like. Uh, finalize everything he said into a simple like numerical score yep um it's like the fact of the matter is that (laughs) the problem i think the problem is that most people who go to these things and read sites and go to like like 
watch that kind of stuff and whatever, like they just, as we all know, they just want uh, justification for their purchase. Mm-hmm. So, which is why nobody reads the reviews because they they feel like, well, I already have the game. I don't need to read about it. I just want to make sure that I bought the right game. Right, but I think I think the number is misguiding because it doesn't say why the person liked the game and right. people buy the game thinking it's good. But oh no, yeah, I absolutely agree. Right. Um, but I was gonna say like personally, I like. Like I think the enthusiast press needs to go the way. Like I like what Area Five is doing with. I mean, they did it with the One Up Show, where they don't really review games. They like just do coverage of them after they've come out, so that if you haven't bought the game, you can just kind of get a good experience of what other people think of the game. Like it's the same thing with podcasts now, especially like like I'll listen up when they do what you've been playing. And you just hear like people like Jonathan Davis talk about like Jonathan Davis, John Davidson, Jonathan Davis, somebody else, <laughs> John Davidson. Uh, talk about I'm, I might be getting drunk. <laughs> talk about talk about games. Talk about games he's been playing, and like that is kind of what turns you on to maybe like oh you know what maybe because that, that like okay uh, for a recent episode he talked about retro well, a somewhat recent episode he talked about retro game challenge and I didn't go re- read reviews about the game or anything just listening to him talk about it made me want to go buy a DS and buy that game. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, and like I'm saying with what Area Five is doing, I really like what they're doing because they like especially now that they're free from kind of the constraints of 1-Up, they can, like, kind of cover whatever they want, and they can really pinpoint you to games that they feel are worth your time and, like, money, and not have to just be like, this is why it's good, and here's a score to go with it. Right. There's one thing, one one more thing I wanted to mention that we are, that came into my head, because I mentioned Lux Payne and scores and everything. So I want to, I, I, I finished the game. Right, and I um, I got the bat. Uh, there are three endings in that game. I got like the the middling one, and so I went back to uh, to Game Facts to see if I could find the good one. There are no facts on this game, so I'm like, all right, well, I guess no one cares enough to play it. Let me look at the message boards, and then I see Lux Payne 3.5 on Gamespot. Lol. I, I saw that. I saw that thread, and I was like, uh. I actually went to the forums because I was like, I wonder if anybody tore him a new one because of the score. Yeah, and so I went there, and then, like, the guy was like, one of the guys was like, oh, you know, he just doesn't get that it's a novel game. And the other guy was like, yeah, like, he just didn't play past the first chapter. And yeah, I, there was a guy who was like, who linked to another review, and he was like, at least this guy played past the first half or something like that. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> so I'm going to have to post yeah. on GameSpot for the first time in like Yeah, and years? I read it, and I was like, what the fuck? And so I was like, all right. And I, I was like, you know, I, I've, I am not afraid of talking to, pe- to, to the people. Like some, not not mm-hmm. that I'm afraid, but, like, you know, in general, some people are just like, you know what, I'm just going to ignore it. But I think sometimes people, you know, would appreciate understanding what goes behind it. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, all right, so, you know, here's what I did, but obviously I wouldn't know that if I didn't play past the first chapter. Like, I was talking about shit on the board about chapter 18, and I'm like, I'm like, well, I wouldn't know anything about that because, you know, I didn't play anything. And then in the review itself, there are plenty of examples from things that happen in, like, chapters 3, 5, 7, 8, you know. So it's like, did you read past the score? No, I guess you didn't. And then the guy who was just like, he doesn't know it's a graphic, he, it's, a, it's a visual novel. And I'm like, in the first paragraph, I say, this is a visual novel style game, yep. which implies that this is how it's going to work. And I'm like... You can't just look at the score and get mad that, that I don't like what you, you know, go to bed with every night. So, so I went up there and I posted, and I was just like, after that I always get remorse. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have just ignored it. I saw the first one was deleted. 
Yeah, because I, I, I made a I made a, a typo in there because I was remembering sequence sequence of events wrong. Like okay. there was something that happened that I uh, thought you removed it because you were like, shut the fuck up, you bitch. Shut the fuck. No, no, no. Like wait, 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 wait. wait. No, <laughs> I should have said that. No, I I wrote something about one of the events that happens later, but they're very they're, they're kind of similar events that happen, and I got one mixed up with the other. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I gotta correct that. And so and they don't have um, they don't have post corrections. They don't. They only have delete. So I just, I just got rid of it and put that one up. But then yeah, some other guy was just like, was like, well, I actually think that you know he actually made sense in that review. So I don't know what you guys are talking about. So I was like, okay, good, I'm yep. it slightly. Yeah, I saw that. Is that you? <laughs> yeah, no, I created another account just to do that. Did you actually post? <laughs> I want to see if you posted there. He or me? You? Oh uh, no, I didn't. Okay, but yeah, so it, like shit like that just just irks me. And the worst part about it though is because you know when I was young, like. I thought the same way, too. I was just like, nee, 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 this guy doesn't know what he's talking mm-hmm. about. And then, like, you know, I started playing more things and understanding things. Where I'm just like, wait, that was really stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you'd think that the way things are going now that people will just not be like that. Anyway, any closing comments on this topic, or should we uh, go on to stuff? I was trying to find my, uh, there was a post about, on Giant Bomb about, uh, do you really want to get into the game industry? Well, you should check twice or something like that. And he was giving, uh, advice to people trying to get into the development side of it, and so I jumped in. I was like, well, here's some advice for people trying to get into uh, game criticism. Game criticism? Criticism. (laughs) (laughs) Criticism. Circumcism. Yep. Um, Side of it, and uh, I posted some help, and I had a good line in there I was going to pitch, and I cannot find freaking posts, so maybe I'll find it somewhere in the middle of the podcast I'll read it or something. I don't know. Okay, so move on. You guys have been playing a couple of demos on Steam. You care to elaborate? Um, well, I guess before we delve into that, is there anything you want to talk about what you've been playing, Austin, since you're not, you aren't really, like, a part of our... Yeah, at our club, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah really quickly, um, I, uh, I threw in Kirby's Canvas Curse yesterday um, on my way to the Met game, and then on the way back, um, and I finally beat it. Because that was at the last world. That's the, like... That was the one that came out like r- right around the launch of the, the DS, that was, right? like the, that was like the first legitimately good DS game. I think I reviewed that game. I was really good, though. Yeah, you, you, I, I love that game. That game was like... like I'm sitting there going, all right, this game could be passable. Okay, that game is all right. Okay, Asphalt, Asphalt Urban GT is a lot of fun, but it's, you know, it's a racing game, so it's like, all right, whatever. It's a racing game on DS. And then WarioWare Touched I liked a lot, but, you know, that, that kind of... It wasn't... Kirby's Canvas Curse was the first game to me that really said, dude, DS, you want to know what it can do? Play this game. Yeah. And it was a really good game, too. And I was really disappointed that the sequel was just a platformer. Oh, uh, I didn't play the sequel. Kirby's Squeak Squad or something. I'm like, no, you know, give, give us more of this stuff. That game was awesome. Like, yeah. Was, like, dude, it was really funny because... um. It was back in my fanboy days, and like everybody, like there was this forum that I was on on GameSpot, and everyone was like, "Oh, DS is not getting recognized." Blah blah blah. blah, 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 blah. And then like everybody was finally happy because Kirby's Canvas Curse got an 8.5 from Jeff, mm-hmm. but then they got mad again because like the video review is only 90 seconds long. I'm like, so what? Just oh god, Pete just put. Do you remember Sprung? I had that <laughs> game. I got it from mom and pop shop for like twelve dollars, and oh, oops, excuse me, hiccups. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> that was so terrible. I mean, it was like that was the opposite of what showing what the DS could do. I know. It was just oh god. But anyway, that's I, I beat that finally. I'm gonna put a review on Try Games when I get the time and just slap that up there. Um, 
I haven't been playing much of anything else because you know I, work this week was just horrendous, and I, I wanted to to get the games that you guys are going to talk about, but I just, I just didn't have time. But um, if anybody, <clears throat> if any newcomer to the DS family um, has not played Kirby's Canvas Curse, you should go out and give it a try because it's really unique. It really proves it's 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 basically like vindication for the whole concept of the DS in terms of touchscreen. Yeah, I'm sure it totally holds up like against today's DS games too. Oh. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, it's challenge. It, it's a Kirby game, so it's easy, but it's still somewhat challenging. And it kind of has to be easy because it's a new way to kind of think about how you, how you play a platformer. So right. it's too hard, you'd hate, you would hate the game. But you know, I, just, I thought some of the level designs, like, brilliant, though. Some of them are genius, yeah. Like, it, it's, it's, it's very meta, too. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you have the brush, and, you know, you can actually draw and do stuff without having Kirby do it himself. Right. But, Definitely, you know what? Amazon.com. <laughs> Amazon.com. And by the way, we have no advertising for Amazon. I just usually get stuff in there because it's cheaper. Uh, I, I gave uh, Edu his prize through Amazon. Oh, nice. Cool. Uh, Kirby's Canvas Curse. Oh, wow. Amazon's not selling any new copies. What you, would you give him, Pete? Uh, I let him choose any $5 Xbox Live Arcade game that he wanted, nice. and he chose Galaga. Awesome. Oh, nice. Congrats, Edu. Um, yeah. I told him it was only because he lived out of the country, though, because if he lived in country, I would have mailed him something really crappy. Mail <laughs> him a bike. <laughs> That's always cool. And not, not, and not a, a life-size bike, but like one of those bikes that you get out of the gumball machines. <laughs> um, but okay, so you guys were trying to play the Braid demo, and okay. well, then Yet It Moves and Coil? Yes. Um, well, let me start right off that, like, yeah, because I, I was just like, I'm going to play some Steam games, because I, I don't know what happened. I logged into Steam because I remember... Uh, when la- two weeks ago when I was on, uh, Funks was talking about Braid being on Steam, and I could try the demo. So I was like, oh, I'll log on to Steam and check it out. And then I started noticing all these other demos that I wanted to try, like And Yet It Moves and Dawn of War 2. So I'm going to start mm-hmm. right off with Dawn of War 2 because I didn't get to play it, so let's get it right out of the way. Okay. Because I want to just give a quick reason of why I didn't get to play it, because this really annoys me. Um, when you go to download the demo on Steam and install it, it forcibly installs uh, Games for Windows Live. Ah! I, oh, yeah, that's right. Which I didn't have on my computer. So I was kind of annoyed that that got forcibly installed. And then... Um, Same like thing with Gears of War, by the way. What's that? Same thing happened with Gears of War, by the way. Oh, really? But I liked, having the, I liked having the achievements linked to my profile, so I was like, fuck it, I'll just, I'll just let it install. But anyway, go ahead. Well, I'm going to ask a question about Dawn of War 2 in a second, because I think we talked about it before. But anyway, yeah, so it, it, would, it forcibly installed it, then it wouldn't launch the damn game. And I literally spent, like, over an hour trying to t- troubleshoot it. Oh! Constantly uninstalling and reinstalling stuff, and I uh, did a whole bunch of Windows updates, excuse me. Uh, I burped from the beer. <laughs> um, and, uh... A lot flew out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the dogs, when they bark, they shoot bees out of their mouth. Um, that's a Simpsons quote. <laughs> yes, it and, is. Uh, and uh, the dogs. So, yeah, like, it wouldn't launch, and I finally I just got so frustrated, I was like, fuck it, and I uninstalled everything. And a note to people who want to put out demos for their games, please make sure it can run easily on the first try, because if I'm interested in trying your demo, then it might mean, it, mean I might, it means I might be on the fence about buying the game or not, and if I can't try the demo, then the chances of me buying the game are greatly reduced. But not, but not. I mean, Dawn of War 2 I'd probably buy anyway, because I really like Dawn of War. Don't say that, don't say that. Don't oh, say yeah, I know, I'm not buying it now, because the demo didn't work. Although, yeah, it is... Fuck that. 
It's a game sprint of life, so yeah, fuck that. But uh, this is my question. When we were talking about Dawn of War 2, didn't we have a whole discussion about the fact that it was going to have a forcible Steam install? Uh, yeah. I don't think so I was like, there for that. Because the, it, there, there was a retail, like, yeah, it was making retailers mad that they were going to have a Steam install. So is it like, if you buy the retail copy, I mean, maybe you guys don't know, but if you were to buy the retail copy, would it forcibly install Steam and Games for Windows Live? Uh, is it a Games for, Live, uh, Games for Windows Live game? I yeah, guess if it's it forcibly installing yeah. it off the Steam demo. Let me see, let me see. Um, well, it has to log in, if you log into Games for Windows Live, if you have it on your computer, they have it right there in their marketplace, so... Yeah, I know it does. Games well, it, has, it has the Games for Windows logo on the box, so it has to. It has to have. Um, it has to have Games for Windows Live on it. Whether or not it has to forcibly install it is another thing. I don't know. Because I know. I know the guidelines are. You know, you want to be Games for Windows um, compliant. You have to have the software on your game. Again, I don't know if the rules state that you have to force it. So I don't know. Well, either way, I mean, like. It just goes to show my own bias because, like, I was all happy when I was like, "Oh yeah, forcibly install Steam. Everyone should use Steam." But as soon as they installed games for Windows, I was like, "Fuck you!" But yeah, so I didn't get to try it. So uh, <laughs> we won't really talk about it unless Slunks. If you have a few quick comments, because you said you tried it before. Yeah, I tried it back when it came out. Uh, really, really awesome game. Um, it's kind of like I, I just want to say that it. Pretty much Company of Heroes. It's Relic. Uh, all, all Warhammer up. Yeah, no. Um, no, I'm asking. I, I'm asking to confirm. It's Relic, right? Yes, yes, it's Relic. Is um, it, like, way more like Company of Heroes than, like, than it is, like, Dawn of War? Like, the original? Um, that's the thing I can't comment on because I never really played any other I, Dawn of War games. Thing is, I, think, I think Company of Heroes is, like, uh, uh, slightly based on the original Dawn of War. Uh, only because, like, from all I've heard and, like, Bear in mind, the only RTSs I've really played are Warcraft 2 and Rise of Nations, which I love. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, like the Relic guys have had a very distinctive style ever since well, the first time they did it, so I, I think it's similar. If not, I imagine. It's a very big evolution, because I've played the original Dawn of War like, through most of the campaign, oh, okay. and, you have, and I played at least the, the demo for Company of Heroes. They, there's a huge, to me, it seems like there's a huge evolutionary leap between Dawn of War and Company of Heroes. Okay. Like, they took, like, some stuff that they, like, had learned making Dawn of War and put it into Company of Heroes, but then they, like, built so much more out of it okay. that it was, like, just, like, pretty much a completely different game. Um, I mean, it was a different game, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> that's why I'm wondering if Dawn of War 2 kind of, like, just expands on Dawn of War 1 while using some things from Company of Heroes, or if it's more like Company of Heroes with a Dawn of War skin on it. No, I, uh, think, I think what you said... Uh, let me clear myself up before I get nasty emails. Okay, Dawn of War 2 is not Company of Heroes. It's certainly not. I'm just saying this because it's, it runs on the same engine, so uh, game mechanics-wise, it's, it's still the same uh, in terms of hiding behind cover and, and things like that. Um, which are you Yes, kind of. Well, yeah, it's it's a little more restricted because um, there's actually no base building in the game, um, and it's something that first game you're gonna be like, that's a little weird, but man, it's so awesome later yeah. on. It's just like it just skips the bullshit, which I mean, it kind of in a way alienates the whole aspect of tech trees and going up this to do that and this. It's the only th I think the only thing I kind of didn't like about it was that the fact that everybody always has access to pretty much everything. Um, it's just a matter of, do you want to spend the resources on something? So there's never going to be like, 
Um, that sounds like Final Fantasy VIII. What? Yeah, Sorry. I mean, it, it's not like... I'm not saying that you can't do this, but in a way, it's... it's well, my nose in a like, second, so talking and ignore me. Sure. It's kind of like... It sounds kind of like World of Conflict, in a way, where it's like you pull from a resource pool instead of, like, building things up. Not... Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, awesome blowing his nose this way. Um... But really awesome game. Try the demo if anybody can get it working. Uh, I, it's something I really want to buy. I'm a big fan of Company Heroes, despite um, the game kind of frustrates me sometimes because of the AI doing stupid shit, like the paddling is probably the worst uh, oh, <laughs> ever uh, sometimes. sometimes. Um, for instance, I will be like, tank, back up, and instead the tank will be like, okay, I will fucking turn around so Wait, my back playing, is exposed and die because of this. You're talking to your tank? <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm playing with a headset. Just like Sokana. Kind of, <laughs> like, tank, back up. Why won't you fucking back up? Yeah. yeah, no, me and a bunch of friends play that game all the time. Then we played Dawn of War 2 and found it really enjoyable, but uh, we didn't buy it because I think not everybody was, uh, not everybody was ready to drop, like, 50 bones on it. So, yeah. yeah. Moving on to the next game. You know, okay. uh, talk about Braid real quickly about how it like goes in, uh, how it works in Steam. But I think because because a lot of people kind of know what Braid is, I'm I'm more curious to hear about and yet it moves. But go ahead. Well, I was just gonna. I mean, because we've already talked about Braid in in a, in and of itself a bunch. Yeah, that's I just want to talk about my experience playing the demo. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so as soon as I started up, I could automatically tell, like, how everyone's, like, you know, it's, it can be kind of considered a pretentious game. Yeah, you can see that pretty much from the first, like, two minutes of the game. <laughs> um, especially uh, why, when is, walking, why is that? Because, like, that's what I've heard, and that's how I make fun I'm of it. Because, to that. Yeah, it, but, like, um, yeah. yeah. As soon as you get into the first world and walk past these, like, storybooks that kind of introduce the story to you, just the writing itself in there, it's, like, super emo and super pretentious but uh, it's not bad like this thing it's like dialogue or the the storytelling it, it's it's because it's just like a, a quick narrative like explaining like like it's hard to explain it's very um, ambiguous yeah it's like because the game itself is presented out of order too so yeah. it's, it's very it's, it's also uh it's, i've had time to think about how like you kind of have you're kind of having trouble expressing uh, how it is. And I've had so much time to think about it and finally pinpoint what it is. And I think it's just, it's very indirect. Yeah. Indirect is probably the best way to say it. It doesn't really say anything directly to you. It's not like, I think the only thing that it actually directly says is uh, the princess was taken away by an evil monster because Tim made a mistake. And then everything else is like... Blah, 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 floaty, floaty, you don't know what this means, kind of thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> but yeah. you, you don't know what this means, and you're not going to, because I'm smarter than you are. Yeah. Like, if you were actually, like, if this was another medium or something like that, I don't know, if, like, you were reading these kind, this kind of, like, stuff in a book or something, you'd be like, wow, this is, like, hor- like a horrible way to present this story or something like that. But, like, I don't know, in the game itself, as soon as, as, soon as I started up and that music started, I felt like I got sucked right in. Especially, yeah. like, the opening scene on the bridge, just making him walk across the bridge. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because the game was so built up already that I the wanted to... his background? What's that? That's the, the scene with the sunset in the background that you just walked across? Yeah, like the one yeah, that the has the uh, print of. Right, right. Yeah. Which yeah. I saw your video, and I hate you, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, but uh, yeah, like so I, again, I don't know if it's just a matter of it having been hi- so hyped and me just wanting it to be so good that I was like, I just was like, wow, this is so good. But like, I really felt pulled in as soon as I started. And then when I got to the first actual level where you start the gameplay, mm-hmm. there was like a moment of, I'd say, trepidation. I don't know because the way I don't know if it's just my computer or if this is the way it actually is. When I started moving, when when you're standing still, the scene looks excellent. Like the art direction in the game is gorgeous. But when I started moving, like the way the scene moved. It seemed kind of janky. Oh, like it, like probably like async was kind of going wonky or something. I don't know. Like the foreground, it was just really the foreground items. Like seemed like they were like, God, I can't describe it. It was definitely like jumpy. The background had the smooth scrolling and stuff. And I don't know if it's because everything's scrolling together, but like, I I'm sure I, I play. I think other that games. is a technical issue because that certainly does not happen in either version of the game. Yeah, I mean, I would like to try it on... If I had a 360, I would definitely like to try it on the 360 to see if it was the same on my, like, HDTV. But either way, regardless of that, for the first few minutes, I was like, oh, that's kind of hurting my eyes. It was actually, like... It really was, that's like, right, hurting yeah. to see it. But right. once I started actually getting into the game and playing, it completely... I zoned it out. I didn't even notice it anymore. Because um, okay. then I was just focused on, how the fuck do I beat this puzzle? Right. <laughs> right. Um, and I do love the puzzle mechanics, although, so, like... There's okay. There's a thing to be said about games that lead you up to your own devices to figure things out. I really like that in some cases. And Braid, it kind of got a little bit like it. It almost pushed me to the point of major frustration because there was one puzzle I was stuck on for a really long time because it didn't explain the new part of the mechanics. Okay. Um, like the one where puzzle it was. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the first one where you have to like. Uh, you have to move in a certain way to get the little monster on, like, it's got two high ledges and then a lower ledge in the middle, like, in the middle, and there's a key that only the monster can get to, hmm. and then you have to back up time once he picks up the key and then jump on him and take the key, and then you okay. back yourself up, back up to the top ledge. Yeah, 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 that's um, the pit. Right. I did not realize that, like, the monster could get under that gate, and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I was trying to figure all these different ways to get myself under the gate and stuff, and, like, I probably spent way too much time on that level, like, way more time than I should have, and I was starting to get frustrated, and finally I just, like, was like, fuck this, and I did something, and I was like, oh, he can go under the gate! And then I figured <laughs> right. that, and I was very right. happy. Um, right. And then, even just in the demo, like, they let you go pretty far into the demo, and some of the, like, later level puzzles get pretty fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're controlling multiple creatures at once and trying to get them past other obstacles for themselves while keeping yourself safe. Mm, it's just, right. it, I mean, it's, it gets really complicated. I like the puzzling in it, though, and uh, I, I definitely will end up buying that game. Um, I, I'm glad I tried the demo. I would recommend anybody who has Steam or 360. I don't know if there's a 360 demo. If you don't have this yeah, game yet, you... Okay, yeah, so if you don't have this game yet, go try a demo. Um, and I, I don't know, like, I personally highly recommend it. I, I, I'm enjoying it a lot. I, and even just as a puzzle game, it's really good. And I think uh, just to point out, since you said you're kind of having trouble understanding the mechanics. Um, you want you get them, them, you get them. But like, just, that's the thing, is that I think in the demo, I'd imagine that in a way you're probably playing, okay, read the book, all right, I don't really get this, read the book, I don't really get this, all right, play the, go through this level, go through this level, all right, next world. Whereas, if you play through the worlds too quickly, and you just kind of, um, if you kind of just skip a, uh, skip a lot of puzzles and don't really work too hard on them, you don't really get a chance to really absorb the mechanic and think like it wants you to. 
And so when you skip worlds a lot, it really just gets frustrating because you start seeing, like you said, wow, that puzzle looks fucking ridiculous. In a way, I know what I need to do, but it looks so ridiculous. But I think yeah. because you're kind of stuck still on the old mechanics and how, how much easier the old mechanics were. Um, so to people who are going to play it in the future, take it slow. Do the, the mechanics don't like, like when you get to a new world and you learn a new mechanic, you don't, like, you don't get to use that particular mechanic back in a previous world. Right? Oh, no, 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 no. That would be like, crazy. <laughs> all the puzzle pieces that you see, like, in, okay, for the first... Like in, Metroid. In, what's that? I feel like Metroid, too. Well, yeah, no. I'm just saying, like, all the puzzle, all the puzzle pieces you see, say, in the first world, are you can get your first time through, right? You don't have... Yes. Yes, you don't there's get no, there's okay. no power-ups that you get in the game. Everything is obtainable the second you see it. And see, that's what I mean, like, in part, of, in part where I'm talking about the game not really explaining things, I just assumed that I was like, wow, I have no idea how to get that puzzle piece. I'm assuming I have to go forward, and I'll get something later that'll let me, like, jump higher. I, you heard, know. That, I heard someone else say that. Was it on, um, was that on the, the one-up podcast, or was that on Giant Bomb or something? I, I heard, like, a lot of people were saying that. Oh, I don't know, but, like, I mean, I definitely had that impression that I was supposed to go forward and then come back and get that puzzle piece. Like, like there was someone saying that, like, oh, this puzzle piece seems a bit too high for me to jump and reach. There is, There's a jumping power. Well, to, to, to clarify, I, I, I kind of didn't want to, like, spoil anything, but there is one puzzle piece that uh, you have to get something in the next level to be able to, to reach. Oh, okay. It's, but okay. it's not like you get power-up, which allows you to do this. It's kind I, of like... It's kind of like a natural thing. Um, you can you can leave that. that. It's, yeah, it's only one piece out of sixty-five, and okay. it's not. It's nothing. Yeah, like I said, it's not like you're playing Mega Man. Oh, I got the wood, the saw man thing. So I'm gonna go <laughs> kill Wood Man and shit. So yeah, yeah. Well, but that's one thing in terms of um, like and what you need to do. Uh, that's something I liked a lot out of Coil when I tried that last night. Right. Um, we want to move into that. What is yeah. that? I have no uh, conception of what that is. Coil is a game about pregnancy. <laughs> um, it's not a game, it's an art piece, man. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Um, it, it's hard to explain. It, it, it kind of presents itself in a way, it's a little bit similar to Braid in terms of uh, you do something and a bunch of text displays that's kind of uh, pretentious, and then... <laughs> Um, you move on, you do it in the next thing. And you start as a sperm. Wait, wait, wait. Before you go on, let me read the okay. let me read the description that's on Giant Bomb that a user put up. Sure. Coil is an independent game made by Edmund McMillan and Florian Hinsel, found on Steam. It's an experimental game with no defined rules. Players must open their minds to adjust the changes as the game progresses. Made by Edmund McMillan and Florian Hinsel. <laughs> in 2009, bitches. No, it can't be that. It has to be. It has to be all pretentious and artsy. But <laughs> that's pretty much what it says on the Steam like uh, descriptive page too. Okay, that's okay. They 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 add in an extra S to adjust though, so it opens. Players must open their minds to adjust to the game. So yeah, I'm calling them out on that. Adjust whoever edited that page, which is definitely true because the first time I played through it, I. Uh, I got to a like a brick and a wall, or like you know, just hit a brick wall is what I mean to say, um, mm -hmm. where the the second, stage, the, the second stage where you have to uh, like, I don't know where you're dividing uh, things. Yeah, yeah um, I, I like could not figure it out, and I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Because I thought I had to like knock stuff out mm -hmm. and just keep other parts in, and right. 
that was another one where it's like, it doesn't tell you what to do, so I get frustrated kind of easily, and I quit out, and I was like, just take a minute break, and then go back yeah. in and try to do it again, and then I was calmer and just, just open. Yeah, just to set up, um, you pretty much uh, start you off with some text about, I really can't even explain it. Um, it's, like I said, it's, it's kind of pretentious, but it's pretty much about, if you look into it, it's about a pregnant woman mm. uh, or thing. Um, I'm not sure if it's a woman or not. But um, the, you, you first, start, first start off with a sperm, and you just kind of move everything with your mouse. And that's the thing. You don't play this game with your keyboard or anything. It's all mouse. It's all, like, direction-orientated. Um, so I was, you know, moving around the sperm. I'm like... Oh, cool! I can move around the sperm. Wonder what I gotta do. And he wasn't really quite moving fast enough. And I was moving the uh, cursor around, and you kind of have to wiggle it like a real sperm has to, yep. you know, have to do to move. And I was swinging. I was like, all right. I, and I kept bumping into these uh, slightly like transparent egg, uh, egg-like things. It's Flow version three. Yeah, and pretty much I just wiggled the hell out of something, and I flew right into an egg, and. <laughs> And then, it, and then it ended, and it went up to a new part of text, and it went into a new gameplay mechanic. And now it was like, I think there was a step before what you were just talking about, and I don't remember what exactly what it was. No, no, it definitely goes, it goes from the sperm to the uh, color the, thing. Yeah, is it like cells dividing or pairing or whatever? Yeah, I, I thought there was another part before that. But um, yeah, so, and then it, it, and then it presents, okay, um, it's, it's you playing inside the egg, um, and there's pretty much three types of colored, pretty much like absorbent balls that all stick uh, stick to each other. And when you run your cor- cursor through them, it breaks them up or uh, it jaggles them around and they start flying all over the place. And uh, I think I was on this one for a little bit. Um, at first, because it doesn't like tell you what to do or what you need to do. Um, so you kind of just experiment until you get it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that you just do open a lot, your mind a lot in brain. Close-minded. Yeah, a lot. That's something you do a lot in braid. Um, but it's pretty much the goal was to divide all three colors, um, so they're all the same, touching each other, and then split your cursor. Uh, have your cursor split two of the colors, and then have your cursor split, uh, like pretty much split all the colors. But you can't. It's it's kind of like your mouse. Your, your mouse cursor is like a force field, pretty much. And at first, I didn't know that, so I was I, I was doing what Pete did and just knocking the shit out of this thing until knocking it <laughs> try, up. Yeah, trying to um, trying like a retarded baby. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm sure my baby's all deformed now, but um, I I even tried this mechanic where I got all the colors together, but I didn't know I needed to separate them. I was like, oh, that's weird. I thought that was gonna work, and so I started trying to push it out, and I actually like I would go in with my cursor and push it a little bit and then kind of um, bring my cursor back and then do it again and kind of start the swing set motion. So I try to push the entire thing out yeah. every time and it just didn't work. And I was like, God damn it, what the hell? And so I tried <laughs> the swing thing and it worked. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then it goes into like a first-person shooter thing. <laughs> or like a, not a first-person shooter. Sort of vermilion. Yeah, it turned into a shooter and it was really good. I actually enjoyed it more than... Um, uh, and then it moves, and yet it moves. Rather. Oh god, my screensaver just turned. Oh no! Uh, oh no! Yeah, what what did you think of it, Pete? Of a coil? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was it was interesting in its game mechanics because of the whole like having to figure things out and stuff. But like figure like the 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 thematic 
experience wasn't really working for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, I wasn't really a fan of the of the like high pretension in this game. Um, yeah. I didn't think it like I don't know. Whereas it felt like it was appropriate for Braid, I felt like it went over the top and was inappropriate in this game. Um, okay. Especially considering that there's like, like I don't want to spoil anything because I want people to go try it because it is something. It's like a two second download and it really only takes like ten minutes to play through. Yeah, it's six megabytes. Yeah, so I mean, like, if you have it's Resident Evil Five's multiplayer mode. <laughs> no, that's that's one point eight megabytes. Oh, I saw sorry. <laughs> um. But yeah, like uh, the fact that the way the game ends, like maybe I'm just not like smart enough to figure it out, uh, like figure out what it's trying to tell me. But yeah, I obviously understood it was about like a pregnant woman and like being. To me, it seemed like you know this just about a, a woman or something coming to terms with like being afraid of what's inside her at first and mm-hmm. like you know accepting it and like learning to love it or whatever. Is it rated um, G fifteen? Because this is not <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the, the um, towards the end of the game, they like it. It definitely started getting like way overboard on the pretension, and uh, is pretension a word? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I don't know if I was doing another hyperbole. Hyperbole. <laughs> hyperbole. So uh, I mean, but in just in terms of the game mechanics, I like the fact like this was one where I did like the fact that it made you figure stuff out on your own, uh, except for. Except for that one one stage, all the other stages were pretty easy to figure out. Um, and once you figure them out, then it's like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. And you pass the stage, and you're like, it, it, you want to see what's next. I, I do feel like it just cut off too short. Um, and that's another game where I think the music definitely played a good part in it, because mm-hmm. it gave it a very uh, interesting ambiance, shall I yeah. say. Yeah. So the, the oh, quality, I mean, it is, yeah, it is an indie game, Uh but the, it's straight up a flash game. Yeah, the quality. I mean, the sound was very low quality, but it was kind of purposely done. Um, so I, you know, I can't really knock it if it's on purpose. But um, the resolution was pretty, uh, pretty big as well. It was, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was running in like 800 by 600 or something. Yeah, I, I um, did I change my? Oh no, you can't change your resolution on that, can you? No, no, you hit escape and you quit. <laughs> Maybe I have to change my resolution on Braid. I mean, yeah. You probably did, because uh, was the screen cut off for you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't remember, because okay. it was a while since I tried it now. But Anyway, speaking of creepy music, and yet it moves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you should probably go first. <laughs> um, yeah, that music is really creepy. The whole game is kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, it like it gives off this vibe. It's just like... like you, I felt like I wanted to hurry up through the levels, because I felt like it's just like weird, creepy, oppressive vibe playing it. Um, it's, uh... I, 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 it, basically what it is, is it's, uh... How do you want to... Uh, handcrafted levels, like, with, like... It looks like like the art style is, like, handcraft. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like torn-up paper and stuff like that uh, that makes these, like, three-dimensional levels. Think... See, I don't even want to say South Park. South Park's, like... like A little bit of, papery. Yeah, like I'm trying to think of how what like the best way to describe it, but handcraft like paper mache kind of sure, um, yeah. just like child arts and crafts style stuff, uh, but not colorful really. <laughs> um, it's very uh, basic. Like the, there's only a few levels you get to try in the demo, and um, what you do is uh, the way it works is you have this like 
paper craft guy walking around, and it's uh, like a like a platformer style level where you're walking along a ledge and then you gotta jump to other ones. And when you're in the air, actually at any point you can hit an arrow key and rotate the world 90 degrees, uh, either left or right. And then you can also rotate it a full 180 uh, if you need to, uh, on like with the uh, opposite direction arrow. Um, and the point is to get from uh, the one where you start the stage through this like twisting maze where you have to do a lot of rotation to the end of it where it's like a cutout of your of your figure on a sheet of paper and you step into your cutout and then you meld with it and you end the level. Um, so you're pretty much going from checkpoint to checkpoint. Yeah. Um, which uh, which is helpful because like it's really easy to like die in that game. Yeah, because the way if you fall, yeah. <laughs> if you fall through it for too long, splat they use a lot of momentum stuff in the game. So yeah, if like if you're turning the world a lot, like your momentum is still building up. So even if you only fall what you think is a short distance, your momentum could have built up enough that you just die. Yeah. And then there's also like uh, parts of the world where it's like uh, nothingness that you can fall into, like just a black area where I guess mm-hmm. the, they, they they didn't put paper down, so you just fall out of the game. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's so uh. Was this now? Was this at uh, this this most recent? Um, IGF, or was it at the one before that? Because I remember seeing this a while ago. I don't remember if it was at... The, I don't know if it was at this one. I think it was the last one, but I know it has been on, uh, or at least talked about by um, the guys from the 1UP show, mm-hmm. I believe. And uh, was it talked about on another podcast? I'm pretty sure it was, but I don't remember which one, but I'm almost definitely talked about by the guys from the 1UP show. Mm. Um, in terms of... Okay, I guess I'll keep going. In terms of the uh, puzzles... <laughs> Um, the puzzle mechanics are simple but effective. It definitely um, it takes some time to figure out, and eventually you get to parts where uh, you have to do other things with the puzzles instead of just like jumping and trying to make yourself to a ledge. You have to do things where uh, there's okay. one. Yeah, that's the specific one I was going to talk about. Where um, you have to make an object uh, twist around while while keeping yourself safe from falling and killing yourself. You have to make an object twist around the environment to get to another thing. So the example uh, Slunk just mentioned was there's this part where there's like this, uh, like these S corners, and um, there's a monkey on one side blocking your exit, like a gorilla or whatever, and there's a bananas on the other side. Monkey. And you have, Good. You have to make the banana fall off the, uh, like the banana bunch, and you have to twist it around while it's in the air to get it through these S corners, because if it hits a wall, it like bruises the banana, and if you do that a couple times, it just goes right, flat. Three times, I think. So you couldn't let it hit the ground three times. And, yeah. And um, by if you just kind of let it, if you're like, I'm gonna rotate 90 degrees and then it hits the bottom. Okay, I'm gonna rotate this. Okay, it's gonna hit the bottom. If you did, if you kept letting it hit the ground, it would hit it four times, so it destroyed the banana. Right. So, like you had to twist around the corners, but then like Pete said, you have to control yourself so you're not falling to your death as well. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean that one was like that was definitely the most challenging puzzle in the demo. Um, it definitely took me a couple tries, but it was satisfactory when I completed it. And um, I, if the game has more stuff like that in it, then it could be a lot of fun. If most of the game is just the basic mechanics, um, I was kind of over it by the end of the demo. Yeah, what did you think of it like overall, though? Um, like kind of a good bad thing. It was better than Sprung. <laughs> it's, like I said, I mean, like, I really like the mechanic. It's just, like, I can't, 
I can't see myself wanting to play it because there's a, it seems there's like a lot, like there's a lot of stages in there, mm-hmm. and I can't myself see myself wanting to play just that simple mechanic throughout the entire game. Right. If if there's more intricate puzzles, which I'm sure there are, because most puzzle games, you know, ratchet up the difficulty, uh, then I could definitely see myself enjoying it. The game itself, I really like the art aesthetic, and I like the music, even though it's creepy. And um, <laughs> I'm. It's it, to me. It's another game that like I like puzzle games like this, like Braid and this. And I would uh, throw a game like um, let's see. I would, <laughs> this might sound weird, but I would throw a game like N Plus kind of into these categories of sure. these type of games that I like. Um, so for me personally, I think and yet it moves is is up there in a game that I would definitely play and want to like complete. Um, and it's I, I I don't really remember many games that do like uh a full world rotation like this, so I can't, like, to me, it's, it's a unique experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know there's games that do rotation stuff, or, like, like uh, that, that PSP game that had the... Uh, Roco. No, not Loco Roco. I'm thinking of uh, the one that, like, you uh, could splat, you could smash the world to 2D or push it back out to 3D. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, That's the, yeah. um... Ah, fuck! God, 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 yeah, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Because that one had rotation uh, elements to the crush, puzzle. Crush, crush. Yeah, crush. crush. An exclamation yeah. point at the end. Yeah, Thanks. that had rotation elements to the puzzle too, but it wasn't like, it, would, it wasn't really like a momentum-based thing, like you weren't falling through the world, you were just doing that to change the environment to like get around obstacles. No exclamation um, point, I'm sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> um, I the exclamation point might have been exit. I'm not sure. Oh, exit, yeah, it's a good game too. Um, but like, I guess the most thing that this kind of reminds me of would be uh, something like um, Echo Chrome in terms of, uh, like, getting your character, like, you see, you're not really playing per- with perspective, but in a way you are, because your perspective is de- dependent on what you feel is down, whereas with Echo Chrome, it's kind of the same thing, you, like, what you felt was foreground. So it's like, kind of, it, it makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, to be honest, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I thought it was borderline average, um, the gameplay mechanic was cool, but I was I was pretty tired of it um, throughout certain areas. And I thought the puzzle at the end was cool, but it felt like I feel like the limitations of the mechanic, like I don't think there's that many puzzles that can come from it that are going to be vastly different from each other. And I think that a big thing that was missing was some sto- some sort of I was really expecting to be honest some crazy pretentious text to pop up. <laughs> to keep me going, and, like, story-wise, and it just wasn't there. It was strictly gameplay. Um, and the gameplay just kind of didn't grab me too much. I thought it was really cool in some parts, but there was times where, to be honest, it, you know, if I, if I wouldn't have to have, you know, talked about it today, I probably would have exited out of the demo and uh, not really given it too much of a chance. But, I mean, I think that uh, maybe if they do somehow incorporate some sort of story or some other element past the gameplay, um, that it could become probably a pretty good game, but I don't think I could stand, you know, 60 levels of that. Yeah. Um, I think, I wonder if it's just because it was a demo that there was no, like, any kind of story type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and they just figured, you know, it's a demo, just give you a gameplay and, you know, that that's what people are going to people are going to decide whether or not to buy a game mostly on gameplay. Right. So, like they probably figured maybe keep any of that out. But I mean, I was fine without there being anything just because of having gone straight off a of braid and coil and stuff. Right. Uh, so I had a break from that. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
And I, I think it is may, maybe a matter of, like, you really have to be into these kind of games and want to play all of them. Like, because, like, like, but we're in agreement that neither one of us really wanted to just stick with that mechanic for however long. Yeah. Like, the demo is definitely enough of that, mm-hmm. um, unless they really do put in some interesting elements with it. But I, I, it's hard for me to think of what kind of interesting puzzles they could create with it. But you yeah. never know. Um, I mean, it's gotten a lot of, like, like I said when I emailed you about, the, about these games, that, that game's kind of gotten a lot of indie buzz um, right. for being, uh, like, a new puzzle-type game that uh, people should play. But the demo didn't honest, really do a good job of proving that. Right. And to be honest, like, I don't know nobody's, uh, nobody's really done it before, but the concept of, of, the, of the puzzle mechanics, like, you know, rotating the screen, isn't the most original concept. I mean, it's, it's something that, you do, and it's like, oh, God, how'd they do that? But, you know, it's, it's never been done before, but it's at the same time, it's not the most impressive. It's not, to, it's not impressive enough, to be honest, to have a person play through an entire game with just that. Oh, wait, there was a game. Didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't Mario Galaxy do that? Kind of, yeah. In a way, they, I think so. Because they, but, they uh, totally played with perspective and gravity and, and yeah. flipping the screen around. There was one um, part that I found pretty funny, though, and uh, I think it was, it's pretty early on where you have to rotate the screen to get a boulder out. I like a stuck boulder out of the way to go past it. And then when you go past it, um, you have to flip the screen again to keep going. And then the boulder just kind of starts chasing you like a la Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was <laughs> Yeah, I think killed me. I laughed. So <laughs> I, I got to laugh out of it. <laughs> um, I think that's about it, though. Yeah, I think we should get like moving on here. But uh, there was one thing I, I wanted to ask you because like, I don't know if also want to get on this, but I thought it'd be a cool idea to maybe uh, suggest. Did I just get disconnected? No, you're good. Oh, okay, oh, I'm my, icon, my icon disappeared, so I was like, oh shit. Um, I would. I thought it'd be a good idea to maybe suggest some, like maybe like two or three games we have on our Steam accounts that other people should play that like maybe aren't as well known because like if people have Steam, they might just like a lot of people get Steam and just buy the like big name stuff. Like they might just want Valve games. And there's a lot of stuff out there in, in like the Steam library that I think people might be interested in playing. Um, do you have anything maybe in, in your own list, uh, Slunks, that like you might suggest people should try? I'd like I'd like maybe uh, like a one game per week kind of thing. Everybody plays and talks about it, kind of like this, but it would you know remain shorter so we could actually talk about other things. I'm yeah, glad our newscast is pretty small. So <laughs> it's kind yeah, I, I can get behind that. You wait, no, maybe I was not explaining that right. I meant like, <laughs> I meant like talking, telling the audience, like if you have a, like, like okay, I'll, I'll give an example. So like, I wanted the audience to know that like there are certain games on Steam that they should definitely that are definitely worth buying and playing if you have Steam and you only stick to like the main story, mainstream games. A game like, for instance, Audio Surf. Audio right. Surf is an amazing game that uh like you basically. It's a if you like rock band or any of like the harmonic style games. Like, yeah, I have I have audio surf. So. Okay, I love well, that. more for the audience, funks. I mean, come on. <laughs> but everybody knows what audio. Everybody knows what audio surf is. Your face knows what audio surf is. Do you really think that everybody knows what audio surf is? I think it's exploded to the point it, where everybody has at least heard of it. Has it exploded? I, I I you know I haven't even really been paying attention to that, so I don't know where it lies in kind of the popular mind share. So the only reason I knew about it was because of Jeff Gerson mentioning it. Like, if he had never mentioned it, I would have never known about it. And he mentioned it back when he was doing his personal blog. Yeah, but I haven't really met a person who hasn't heard it besides, like, you know, casual gamers. Well, if you haven't heard about it... <laughs> yeah, it's a game, it's a rhythm game, pretty much. 
Yeah, and it works. Wait, uh, it works. Wait, with, uh, play your literally any MP3 that you have. So um, that's a really good game, and I think you should play it. And I also um, wanted to suggest that uh, maybe people don't realize that uh, the longest journey and um, Dreamfall are on Steam. Oh, and, Dreamfall. Yeah, if you're a fan of like you know old school adventure games, um, I mean Dreamfall switches it up to 3D, but uh, Longest Journey is definitely one of the greatest adventure games I've ever played, and I really like Dreamfall, uh, even though it changed up the to 3D. Like the story in it, I thought was really excellent. I think uh, I think Indigo Prophecy is also on Steam. Yes, it is. That's also a good one. I need to get yeah. both. Except you know, except for that ending. But <laughs> well, have you have you played through it? No. Oh yeah, I played through it like three times, and um. The ending is quite atrocious, but it's worth playing through the game, even though the ending's bad. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then, yeah. Austin, do you have any games on Steam now, that you now, suggest? Yeah, now that Austin has sat out for about an hour and a half. I was trying. That's why I wanted to bring this into it, so he could get into yeah. the conversation. Yeah. Um, I, here's the problem. Like, I, uh, there, there, there's just not much that I've been playing on Steam at all, or that I have really been paying attention Fine, to. Fine, fuck you, what's in the news? A lot, a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> so I, I want to say this, a lot of what happens for me is that I'll see something on a deal, right? And I'll run to go get it and download it, and then I'm gone for work for the week, and I come back and I forgot that I got it. For instance, yeah. Unreal Tournament 3 was out for $10 during one weekend. I was like, oh, I gotta get it, I gotta get it. I've had it for like a month, and I haven't touched it yet. <laughs> I almost bought it that weekend for $10, but I knew I would never really play it, so I stopped myself. Yeah. Actually, the funny thing is I'm replying to this Lux Payne thread because there have been a lot more answers. And, and happily, happily, for self-indication purposes, a lot of them have been to my support, so I'm, I'm going back. That's good. <laughs> no, but some, some guy had just said, like, oh, you know, you're lying. Because there's this one part in the game where you have to keep on talking to a character in order to get the game to advance, which mm-hmm. is really annoying. Like, any game where any story-based game where the solution to move on is to just keep on pressing talk is... Persona anything? Is that, is that what they do a lot? That's what Persona I don't like, is. I really don't like that. I don't... Yeah. Well, well, what I mean is... What I mean is, okay, it's the same character that you're talking to, right? You talk... You press the talk button, he says something, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you go around town and you talk to other people, okay? When you go back to that area that he's in, you press talk to him, and he says the same thing. And you're like, oh, okay, um, that's weird. But there's nowhere else to go. So let me go click on this advice button because the, the girl working back at the base gives me advice, gives you no advice. Huh, let me do that because this Lux Paint bullshit with the memory imprinting, like all the options that you have with all the characters. Let me try to imprint the memory. Huh, the game's not giving me any memories to imprint. Okay, uh, let me try to extract information out of him. Okay, he's saying the same thing he, he did last time. Let me exit the place that he's in and try to find anywhere else that I've missed. No, I'm in San Diego. in San Diego. Every other location is closed off, so I've talked to everybody except for him. So what do I do now? Like, I've talked to him. I've tried imprinting. I've tried getting advice. I've tried doing this and that. And then the answer is to just keep on pressing the talk button five times. Hmm. That, that is not good design to me. Like, yeah, I'm, not ta- I'm not talking about like talk to everybody. I'm talking about specifically talk to this one person and keep on pressing the talk button multiple times. And that's right. like, that is stupid, that's like, what? And so this guy's just like, he says, he says, um, I couldn't care less about the review since it's mostly opinion, but please don't give false facts just to put this game in a bad light. And mm-hmm. then so this guy's just like, 
uh, he experienced it, so it's not a lie, nor deceitful, nor false. It just didn't happen to you, and he didn't include it in his review anyway. And the guy's like, it didn't happen to you and everybody else. Yeah, no one ha had that problem. So, like, now I'm looking, and I found uh, a board topic where it's like, how do you get past this part? <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, because I'm petty like that, I'm going to link it. Good. I'm petty, and I, I hate people like that. So Good. Uh, Good. Okay, so uh, do you want to read the first news story while I, while I engage in this stupid internet battle? Sure. Uh, Pete, really quick while I threw it up, what's your question about Persona? I just want to ask, have you been watching Giant Bomb's Endurance Run? Yep, every episode. I saw the first episode, but I, I want to play that game, so I'm not... Yeah. Uh, well, I was just curious, cause, uh, have you played other Persona games then, Funks? I haven't touched any. Oh, okay, because you sounded like you knew a lot about them. I was, maybe you know any... Anyway, because um, I was going to ask, like, in, I've never played a Persona game, but like I'm watching them play it, and like they get presented choices where they have to like talk and make dialogue choices. And I'm just wondering if the dialogue choice, if it's one of those games where like no matter what dialogue choice you pick, it doesn't actually affect anything. You still get the same outcome. <laughs> I know in Persona 4 that game has a lot of variables. Um, as in, I'm not sure if this is directly through the text, but I know through the gameplay. Um, that things are different. Um, I have a friend, uh, Jim, actually, um, Dende from, you know, Vacation Disc Dende, um, <laughs> uh, recently picked up Persona 4 in, you know, in, in light of the Giant Bomb Endurance Run, and uh, he says some crazy things are happening throughout the game because he's playing through differently than them. But, um, like, I think it all still just ends. I think it's your typical, like, all things just it, it does eventually just end into the same thing, but I'm not sure. Uh -huh. So I haven't quite like, I haven't quite played the game. Um, just kind of been watching and comparing Jim's run and Giant Bomb's run, and supposedly it's slightly different. I'm not sure if it is completely. So yeah, I, I was just curious because like like I, that's one thing that always bothers me about games is like you know you know the the age old thing is like uh, do you want to do this yes or no and you click no it's like do you want to do this yes or no <laughs> yep yes. <laughs> Alright. Uh, speaking of things that bother me, <laughs> <laughs> I hate when I'm playing Wii Sports and I'm looking <laughs> at my bat and it's not really wiggling like I am. <laughs> well, that's why yeah, Tiger that. Woods is going to be bundled with Wii Motion Plus. Wow! But, you know what? Give me one second. I just realized that we moved straight into the news without, you know, taking a break. So let's, let's take a quick break and make sure the audio files are in sync. Yeah, we're back, and we're continuing Wii Motion Plus, because the break was literally only three seconds long. But yeah. Uh, go ahead. Tiger Woods looks really excited about Wii Motion Plus. <laughs> he looks like, um... Man, I can't say that. He just won a million dollars, because that wouldn't be anything to him. Um, I don't really know what to, what to say. He, he is looking up. He has both arms pumped, golf club in one hand, and he is just looking at this guy screaming with his mouth open. <laughs> yeah. So ridiculous. Yeah, it's a little over the top. Um, it looks like he could be singing or something. I'm not sure. It's like oh. singing a card out. Um, 
Yeah, Tiger Woods is going to be bundled with Wii Motion Plus, uh, which is pretty much going to be the uh, adapter that's uh, going to throw right on your Wiimote and uh, allow you to experience more waggleness, but more accurately. <laughs> um, Apparently, on this box, which I was not aware of, the Wii Motion Plus snaps on while your Wii Remote is still in the condom. They, they, they give you a new... Oh, oh, you mean the old condom. Or is it a new condom? I don't know. <laughs> I think they give you a new condom, but, like, I think... Uh, I it should... Mm, it, I can't really tell. I, I guess they give the you... The one... really thick. Yeah, I know. that. That's kind of weird. I guess the, the reason why I brought this story up is because it's... it's um, I mean, it's a third party, and I think that's key for getting acceptance of this thing. Like, I don't know, I don't remember very clearly the uh, the whole RAM cart situation with the N64, but I don't, I, I think, like, what, did it, it only came with Donkey Kong 64, maybe? I don't know, I'll have to look it up on Wikipedia, but it's like, I, I'm just saying that it's a big thing for, for uh, Nintendo to, to either allow or for third parties to agree to pack in, like, this extra peripheral, because otherwise that's a whole sub-segment of the market that you're missing, and the whole problem with Wii Motion Plus in the first place is, hey, not everyone has it, so what the hell are you going to do? You know, uh, I'll read the thread or the the news really quick, just to give a more mm-hmm. reporter-like uh, side of it. Uh, looks like it's coming June, uh, July 26th. Uh, a version of Electronic Arts Tiger Woods PGA Tour 10 will be bundled with the Marine Mission Plus add-on when it ships on June 15th. Oh, uh, July 26th is for something else. Okay, June fifteenth. That's, that's when Sports Resort is released, and that was the one that was touted as being, you know, the one for the Wii Motion Plus. But yeah, it's coming out way earlier than than the game. Uh, the version of the golf game that is packed with Nintendo's new controller will cost sixty dollars, with the regular version of the game priced at fifty. EA said um, the bundle is a limited time offer. Quote unquote. Uh, really you know, the uh, Wii Motion Plus is coming out standalone way before the uh, the Wii, Wii Resort. I have. The, well, when's it initially coming out? I, I mean, it might be right around the same time. I know it's early June, um, or maybe mid June, okay. and it's going to be, I believe, twenty dollars for the okay. for, for the accessory, um, which uh, is pretty much overpriced. But that's because, uh, like it says, uh, Grand Slam Tennis. Well, wait, no, Grand Slam Tennis is going to be. But wait, no, there's another tennis game because there's supposed to be another tennis game that works with it. And oh, maybe it was just Grand Slam Tennis, and they just want to put out individual ones for people who want, you know, more Wii Motion Pluses to play. Multiple multiplayer Tiger Woods and tennis. Yeah, and from what I've seen from the demo of of Wii Motion Plus, eh, looks alright. Yeah, I don't think it's really needed. I think for the for Tiger Woods, it's pretty cool because it, you can definitely draw and fade. I mean, uh, my dad plays Tiger Woods all the time on the Wii. Uh, I play. I don't golf. know if you're gonna be that serious about your golf game. Why couldn't you just go out and play real? Golf? I mean, I guess if it's like winter or something, you can't. You know, but. Well, it's, it's just that in previous games it was stupid to draw or fade your ball because it just kind of just didn't work. And in this one it's going to, so. Uh-huh. Because, and, it's, and also it's going to, you know, use, not only is it going to work, but it's going to work by using the, the Wii Motion Plus, so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. About it. I'm looking forward to it only because I think it's what it should have been in the first place. <laughs> yep. So. <laughs> <clears throat> you know what you do in Wii Sports Tennis? Do you swing or do you play it with your family? You sw- you serve the ball. You serve a fist to your son's ass. Wow, this guy looks incredible. This, this guy's my hero. Uh, <laughs> your hero? 
It's like the look in his face, like, it's kind of like a, I don't he give a fuck. He has an, I'm going to beat your ass look. Yep. Uh, so, no, this guy is, uh, why don't you read it, Austin? No! <laughs> <laughs> Austin's in the, in the pooper right now. Uh, family gaming ends with father beating son. Uh, Terry Talby, a 50-year-old Cincinnati resident, stands convicted of assaulting his six-year-old son following a confrontation over video games. ReportsGamePolitics.com. This guy's an uh, asshole. Yeah. Uh, reports vary a bit from there, however. Uh, some sources say that Talby turn, uh, turned on his son after losing to the boy in the game, uh, while others are saying that uh, he assaulted him because he wasn't playing the game good enough. Wow. Yeah. Um, those are different sources from NBC and uh, Cincinnati News. Um, as for the assault itself, quote, Toby is accused of hitting the boy on his lower back and buttocks, leaving a large red hand mark, unquote, the Cincinnati Enquirer reports. Uh, and then there was a correction uh, edited into the thread or into the... Previously, this post contained a misspelling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. It's, care. Yeah. I, I, yeah, they I, do. I guess, Cincinnati. They stole Cincinnati, Cincinnati wrong. Unreliable. This is, well, it's our blog, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. And and everybody knows my disdain for blogs. Anyway, I like how it ends with "We apologize for any confusion." Yeah, like, you know, I confused Cincinnati for the other Cincinnati. Oh, that one with the two T's and the one. The other one, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if the kid was playing WoW and the dad was making him Gold Farm. <laughs> no, because yeah. what else? What else would a dad get mad about the kid playing badly? If, the, if that's true. Guitar Hero, because he let him drop out of school just so he could train on Guitar Hero. Oh, that's true. Ah, uh, that's too, that I don't don't remind me. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, that I don't even know what to say about this. Despicable. Uh, you're a great father, sir. Uh, it's supposed to be a time of togetherness. Yep. But I want to know what they're playing simply because I want to like just just seeing what kind of parent he is. I want to know what game he's letting his child play that he would beat him for it. I mean, like, all games, you know, have goals to reach, but mm -hmm. was this, like, a Halo thing, or was this, like, Wii Sports, you know? Yeah, he was six, so... I wish they would say... Like, he was trying to rank up and get those golden guns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I'm but you, you know what else likes to take gold? Pirates. Arr. I heard they have barrels, but they shared the barrels by duplicating them. How? By pirating, which is now a verb. Yeah. <laughs> this is really terrible. <laughs> and by verb, I mean I'm going the opposite direction and going to make this transition really, really crazy. Because verb is a way of an action. And you know who's oh, taking you action know, against PirateBay.com? The SR. Yeah. The ESA. No, 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 not ESA. It was just uh, the ESA approves of them getting arrested. Okay, no, the ESA idea, one up is taking down Pirate Bay. No, <laughs> that's, that's not right. So Pirate Bay was just arrested by the uh, Swedish government, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm ruining this, that's all. Arr! Arrested. Yeah, yeah Pirate Bay. Just last week, actually, uh, we didn't yeah. go over this one, but uh, good. I approves. Yeah, so like... I found this story funny because I remember when I first heard about the Pirate Bay was probably about a year or so ago. I never actually knew of its existence. And I didn't use it or anything, but I watched a video about the guys from the Pirate Bay, like the founders, talking about how, like, you know, 
they're not doing anything wrong. They're just providing a search site, and what people do with it is their own business. So like okay. they're not like doing anything illegal, which in a technical sense is true. But um, and then they were like basically saying in the video, it was kind of like a little documentary that they self-produced, and um, in it they were saying, you know, if we're doing something wrong, come get us. We dare you. And it took a while, but eventually the government did. Um, they arrested the what's that? I mean, got him. Yeah, they arrested the uh, the the founders. Which um, I'm going to try to pronounce their names. I'm probably going to let's see: Frederick Nige, Carl Lundstrom, Gottfried Svartholm, Warg, and Peter Sund. Um, yeah, so uh, they they arrested them, and uh, they, apparently the uh, the like the uh, what is it? The cause or whatever the arrest the. Uh, their reasoning is that, like, that uh, it's basically they're enabling. So they got them on that kind of charge. Right. Okay, I guess. Um, yeah. Should I read some of the details of this story? Sure. sure. Okay. This story comes from one up and by Chris Pig Pigna. Pigna. Okay. Uh, so let's see. Uh, the electronic. I'm just going to read this part here. Where it says the Electronic Software Association, meanwhile, committed the verdict. Below. The decision confirms that the harm being inflicted on creators of digital works by BitTorrent sites like the Pirate Bay will not be tolerated. Pirate. And that such actions are subject to criminal sanctions, said ESA CEO Michael D. Gallagher. Um, piracy is the single greatest threat to the development, release of innovative, creative, and entertainment software that consumers demand. Joy, the job killing economy needs a million more jobs, not less. That wasn't that a good a read there. What's uh, the actual details about the arrest? Well, anyway, they uh, were found guilty in a Swedish court of violating copyright laws and sentenced to a year in prison, as well as a fine of 30 million krona, which is 3.6 million, um, which is a lot of money. But I wonder if they were making money off of the Pirate Bay in so much that they can afford these fines. Mm, maybe I advertising. Don't I don't know. But, um, and um, who was it? I actually, the reason I missed this story originally and I caught on it now and gave it like sent it in for the the, uh, the news bucket was because uh, I heard about it on Penny Arcade's uh, one of Penny Arcade's recent podcasts where they like record podcasts for them making the strip and they brought this up because it was a strip idea they were having. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh shit, I didn't know about this. And they were to- totally talking about how, uh, you know, imagine these kids in prison, like a year in prison for them is probably going to seem like a lifetime. Mm. Is that, did that comic ever come out? Or they, did they scrap that idea? They didn't do that. They, uh, they went with a uh, Vin Diesel comic. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. I appreciate it, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm glad, to be honest. I'm really glad. Yeah. I, uh, Fuck I, I yeah, totally against it. I have a friend who is uh, who told me about this, and I was like, yeah, good, because that means dicks like you can't fucking screw over developers. <laughs> <laughs> My friend was he upset about it. No, he uh, he, he's kind of like a oh, I don't care kind of thing. So I'm like, ah, fuck you. My yeah, friends fuck. always come to me and like when I'm like especially going out work and playing my DS and they're like what are you playing I'm like this and they're like oh yeah I have that I got it on my R4 I'm like fuck you yep exactly and yeah he owns an R4 too and I'm like oh yeah yeah he actually for I think it was Christmas or something he was like yeah you want you want me to buy you an R4 or something no I'm like fuck just fucking buy me an actual game god damn it <laughs> <laughs> I have no sympathy uh, those type of people but uh, same. You know who else wants to make sure that people get their money? American McGee. Chinese McGee, because he's in China right now. Um, is, is generating content creators be compensated? I gotta read this because, like, just from the headline alone, I, I I'm very conflicted. It, 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 I don't know what to think of this. 
Um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 Asked by Geek.com what he thought of the new trend of user-generated content appearing on consoles as well as PCs. With Little Big Planet as an example, McGee said, quote, new trend? I seem to recall this being a trend back in the Doom days. The only difference now is that someone is trying to monetize it. That's all fine and good, but I think if game products or publishers are relying on outside-the-box content created by users to drive interest in their titles, then they should find ways of compensating those users for developing added value. That might inspire the user content communities to step up their game. Okay, so this um, that that last line is very important. Yeah, that clears, up, that clears it up for me. Because at first, like, you know, you read the headline and you think, oh, he wants us to pay our fellow community members to put content out. And it's like, that's not really the case. He, he wants the publishers to pay. Yeah, and I definitely agree with, like I said, that last line, um, because as with like Little Big Planet, as an example, most of the user-generated content is crap. Um, if the publishers were actually going to like pay people, which I remember there being some rumor about that, about like some of the best Little Big Planet level creators supposed supposedly supposed to get some sort of monetary reward, um, and if that happened, then we'd be seeing a lot more like decent levels, and isn't that the whole point of the creation? Sure. Sure. In the first place. Right, right. I like. I don't know. I, 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 would be in support of that, but I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like there's, there's something that that complicates this type of situation. You know, it's like there's always something like that that it sounds like a great idea, but then, you know, when you think about it, it's like, but wait, what? Ha-? And and I, I can't shake the feeling that, that there's something like if this were to happen, there's some kind of caveat, like a huge caveat that'd be like, well, this is why they don't do it. Besides, of course, publishers not wanting to pay people. Now right. Sony just needs to stop taking down the good levels for whatever the fuck reason. And, That's you know. true, too. <laughs> yeah. But this is like the whole Velocity Girl thing all over again. Yeah. You know? Yes, the marketplace thing. Um, I think that... I think that there's that, though, is that the velo- to me the Velocity Girl thing seemed like it was user-to-user, which is what I... Yeah, was, that was definitely like where like, Velocity Girl makes yeah. a t-shirt and you buy it for your game. Like, or, I don't know, maybe, maybe they want to do like um, the most downloaded levels, get like a like a like a check or a prize or something, I don't know. Like that's not. Yeah, it's not it even, compensation, but it doesn't even have to be like you know, cash monies. Um, like something like okay, so uh, Little Big Planet is a first party Sony title. Give your give your best Little Big Planet creators some like Sony yeah, like like some sort of like uh, you know PSN games or something like that. Yes. Um, yeah, right. something something to get inspire people to create better content. Right, or exclusive sack boys or something. Well, they were toying around with, but they do those challenges where they give out like an exclusive item. Um, I entered one of the challenges myself, but uh, I don't think that's enough to get people to create like really good stuff because I mean, I, I don't think my 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 entry was very good, and I checked out some of the other entries, and they are pretty shit too. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Mario. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and that's the thing. Yeah, if they offer some sort of incentive, you get less people clone. Well, I mean, maybe not less, but like, I think the uh, it, the original levels would definitely start to outweigh the uh, the clones of other games. Hmm, okay. You, you know, it's funny about what he's saying uh, about like, oh, now they're just trying to make money off of people who make stuff. Like, I think I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Penny Arcade or somebody else who was making a snarky joke. But it was like when Spore was first announced, it was like, oh. That's genius. They're making money off of nothing, you know, because it's that's what everybody else is going to provide the content. 
and no yeah. one, and like EA basically doesn't have to do anything. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love these type of games. Like, I really like Little Big Planet, and I liked uh, creating stuff for it. But I'm just saying, it would be really super awesome if they did give some sort of incentive to create good content. Um, and uh, as far as American McGee goes, like, it seems like he's kind of like throwing out a double standard there because it's almost like he's like he's saying, uh, you know, with Doom, we created a full game and, you know, people just decided to mod for it. Um, you know, so, like, it's almost as if he's saying, you know, we don't really need to worry about compensating those people. It's just the ones that, like, the publishers that put out games that only require people to play uh, create stuff for it. But Little Big Plant's a bad example because Media Molecule did put a full single-player game in it, which was really well done. Sure. I, I think his, his point is that... Um, for for Doom, like way back in the day, it was more of them opening it up. They're, and and like I guess of course it's a semantics and it depends on your perspective. But and it's not Media Molecule's fault, of course. But like Sony really was like pushing the whole angle. And, and I'm not saying that I agree with him. I'm not saying that I disagree with him. I'm just saying that maybe this is what where he's coming from. Is that Sony is pushing the angle of yeah we got this game in here, but like the real secret is that you can make your own shit. You know, pay us sixty dollars and you can make your own shit, and everybody can look at your own shit. They just have to pay sixty. You know what I mean? And like with, right. Doom, um, I don't know. I, I just kind of never saw Doom as a game that um, really touted um, level design. Really, yeah, because the thing is that like with Doom, um, like the the big thing was more about making different games out of it, right? And right. I didn't buy Doom to play someone else's game. I right. buy Doom to play Doom. But the message being sent by Sony for, for Little Big Planet makes, could make the average consumer feel like, I'm buying Little Big Planet to see what other people can do and to see what I can do. And yeah, they so, definitely marketed it that way. And, I mean, even, like, I guess people don't realize that even, as, even if that wasn't part of the game, just having the, uh, if, it was, if it was just a single-player platformer game, well, not single-player, but, like, just the, what was the offline platformer game, just playing that with even just, like, four friends or whatever could have been worth the full sixty dollars that you'd pay for the game anyway. It's almost as if that like created content stuff is add on bonus, which is like a huge value. Um, but yeah, Sony definitely marketed it as, you know, there's nothing else in this game, just come and create the game yourself. Now if you paid these guys, if you paid these creators, what what happens with things like taxes and shit and, and like, you know, all that other logistics stuff that, that goes out, like, are they employees, are they contractors, are they freelancers? That's, that's kind of the, one of the small things that I think, like, it was bothering me before that I couldn't quite put my finger on. Just logistics. Like, how do you pay these guys? Yeah, that's why prizes are better in that. Thing. Yeah, totally agree. Um, oh, we have a reminder from the Basso. Someone wanted to say something about Braid, and that's Basso himself. Yeah, it's something that's actually that's kind of on, uh, on topic. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, when the PC version of Braid came out, I mentioned that there was no level editor because at oh, the time right. nobody knew about one. Uh, Braid actually has a level editor. Uh, oh. PC version has a level oh, editor. Oh, yeah, for real. And uh, uh, it's, actually, it's actually going to support, because uh, Jonathan is kind of working on it as the game is out. Um, God, that dude is all over the place. Um, <laughs> wow. He... He is working on a documentation for it. I don't know if it's out just yet. He said it was going to be out like uh, during last week or something like, or during this week. Um, but it supports Photoshop, so you can import anything that you can, pretty much. And uh, Jeff Gersman was recommending 
Um, a plentiful of work. Yes, it was recommending uh, someone to do the Back to the Future level, which would be pretty awesome. Because nice. pretty much now it's just going to be create any game that you want with Braze mechanics. So that's pretty cool. I just also on this topic because uh, like uh, it kind of yeah it's the same problem with Braze level creator and the fact that like what are the odds that somebody's going to create something really good specifically towards Braze? Like you said, you can create other stuff using the Braze mechanics and stuff. But if you were just trying to create a level for Braid, you're probably not going to be able to create something as good as Jonathan Blow right. made it. It's very level. tightly tightly developed, right? Tightly. Okay. Right. Well, you're, you're gonna have a like you're gonna have maybe one person out there who can create amazing levels, and then yeah. ninety nine thousand. You're basically going to need another Jonathan Blow or Miyamoto or 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 you know John Romero back in his heyday. Right. It doesn't have to be in that sense. It can be fun and stuff. Um, I mean, Jonathan Blow did all the puzzles in the game. I mean. In about six months, it was all complete uh, and finalized. But it's it's that you know it's it's going to be. I, I I think that there are going to be some levels because most braided uh, completionists are really really um, passionate about the game to the point where yeah they would go and make a level or something. So or at least fool around with it, which I fooled around with it only to see a. Uh, I think I've talked about the epilogue cloud to see if that did anything, and it doesn't. So. Well, before we before we leave you friendly people, uh, we do have one new entry for the pretentious video game name bucket for Supersonic. Where the hell are you, um, Neo Nightmare? <laughs> I haven't X. heard the other entries. Sorry, uh, what? I'm sorry. I I totally ruined your flow. I haven't heard the other entries. Well, your face. Too bad. This entry is virtual entertainment experience. This is from Neo Nightmare X. Okay. And just for just for Pitaria's benefit, the previous two entries were one was from Dende, James Connor, thank you, was Vacation Disc. Yeah. Another one was from Michael Howell called User Interface Interactive Electronic Art. So we've got those three. So Supersonic, where is your ass? Yeah. Uh, when will uh, just to discuss this? When are we going to be ending this officially? Whenever Supersonic resurfaces and says, "Hey." I'm here. I'm, I want to judge. Yeah. Um, what the time of PM or something? Yeah. Uh, I, just so everyone else knows that because I think Austin volunteered me for giving a prize. I'm not giving a prize out for this anymore because this took way too fucking long. Oh, I thought. Okay, so the edu thing was the only thing you were giving out a prize for. Okay. I, so. No, if people had done it like you know within the week or so after we had asked for it, I mm -hmm. totally would have gave a prize. But I think I it was like episode 128 and towards the end you mentioned real quick you're like, dude, so you get a prize for Pete, and I didn't get a chance to say, wait, no, I'm not giving a prize for people who do stuff like a month after we ask for it. Yeah. Okay, no prize. That, well, we need some incentive, so you don't oh, have to give a prize for something. Here you go. Uh, last night I tried posting on Giant Bomb forums about the contest. Uh, it was mainly a discussion thread, but for some reason the moderator took it as, you're fucking advertising. I want to take off this good thread and leave amusing threads like, uh, do you search for yourself on the Internet? And I quit my day job and shit on there. Uh, I will post it on my blog this time, but... Uh, as long as we get a good handful of submissions, I'm not going to give it an official number, uh, but preferably around like you know six to ten or something like that. Yeah. Um, All right, you know what? I will give a prize, but the prize will not have any monetary you killed value. Me. You killed me. I'm sorry. <laughs> you killed me. Ladies, ladies. I will be giving away a free copy of Braid via Steam over the PC. Um, will I qualify? No. No. Um, <laughs> Um, to the uh, the winner of which Supersonic 97 picks 
So yep, yep, yep. if it was me, I would have saved that prize for a new contest where people would enter right away rather than <laughs> let all these slackers win something that good. Yeah. But um, if if uh, the winner already has a copy of Braid, um, you're not out of luck. I'll probably do something for you at equal value. So. Just so you know, Pete, I still haven't installed the Graw 2 that you sent me for winning one of your contests, so i gotta get, <laughs> I got to get around to that. That was forever ago, sir. Yes, it was. That was 2006 or something. Anyway. Awesome. All right, we have to get out of here, so are there any closing comments before we do some pimpage? Mm, nope. I, uh, I have some bad news. Wow. I, I won't be on the podcast for probably like another five or six weeks after tonight. Today. Oh, thank God. I mean, <laughs> um, it's uh, definitely getting crazy for me at work, and I'm probably oh, it's prom season. Yeah, six Gosh. days a week. Saturday's going to be my only day off, and I'm going to want to sleep in on that day. Um, <laughs> so I'm still sorry. Do trilobites? I, I will definitely still do trilobites. Um, I might make my trilobites. Use trilobites? Yes, maybe. Okay. I will make my trilobites. Barefoot brownie specifically? What? Barefoot brownie specifically? Oh. <laughs> um, I'm lost on this. That's the ice cream that I ate in my one trilobite. You're not trilobite. Trilobites, are you, Slunks? You whore. No. no. So anyway, yeah, uh, I will definitely still do trial bites. I might try to make them a little bit extended since I won't be on the podcast to talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, otherwise, yeah, like I got a busy month ahead of me, and then I'm I it's ve- it's ninety nine point nine percent sure I'll be moving the like June second again um, wow. to uh, up to the Boston area actually. Uh, um, yay! So that'll be a major move for me. So once I move, then I have to wait to get internet access again, and then I will be on the podcast again. So there might be a few weeks there where I might not actually have a trial bite, but uh, I'll definitely like try to bite it up when I can. And uh, you know, if I'm not going to be on a podcast, I'll try to be there in spirit. You're going to be just, gone for you're going to be gone for five weeks. And yeah, just be on the podcast through you know regular mail, snail mail. Yeah, uh, if I if I have to <laughs> <laughs> Pete, what do you think of this? All right, we're going to get back to this in about a week. When you reply. I think this is cool. That would be the reply. Can, can, can you make it 10 weeks? Okay. Oh. Maybe I'll just have to go start up my own shit again. Oh, oh no. Well, yes, Which will be happening? Uh-huh. Yes. Well, not, don't, not, don't donate, thing. donate pennies. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so where can you find... A- oh, he's not here. Shit. Al, where can X- we find you? XLM2K.blogspot.com XLM2K.blogspot.com Play my guitar. You know. And got a beautiful Joe run. You know. Sorry, Al, we're terrible. We're mean, mean people. It's your fault for being drunk at a wedding, though. I love Al. Pat <laughs> loves you too, and so does his hair. <laughs> Alright, so that's it from us for Pete. Uh, later, guys. For Slunk. I'll see you in over a month. For Slunk. <laughs> there he goes again. <laughs> I've been your host, Austin, and we're. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. On the air today. What's up? Yeah. You can hear me. Does he just go into a coma when he's drunk? Because he's pretty chilled normal. (laughs) From what I can tell. No, he starts singing in rock band really loud. (laughs) 
but really really loud for Al is, is just like a regular voice. So that's where people you have an excellent radio I voice. Have a softest softish voice, and then and you then and I Al listen to yeah, and then I have them listen. You to and Al can start a like one nine hundred number. Do I sound like I'm on old time radio? Hey. 